get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Guess and what day it is? Huh? Pump day. Michelle, how you doing? <laughs> um, day. We finally have it. <laughs> yeah. It's 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. And officially licensed Rolex jeweler and today you will fill out the most important bracket that you will fill out all March long it is your ultimate Irishman bracket brought to you by Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN and you you can simply go to the 101 ESPN Twitter page and vote right now in round number one and Michelle this will be an epic battle there are so many strong candidates on this bracket Randy I'm looking here and you could really make an argument for any of these guys. You really can. To be the ultimate Irishman coming out of St. Louis. We have a 16 Irishman tournament. And to put what you said in perspective, one of the all-time greats at St. Louis University, Billiken Hall of Famer, has his number retired. Ed McCauley is a 16 seed. 16 seed, Unbelievable. And he's got to go against Jack Buck, the number one seed in round one. What a battle in the first round. An 8-9 matchup between Mark McGuire and Mike Shannon. That one's going to be tough. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of Cardinal fans are going to have to, uh, it's going to be a painful one for them to choose between. We'll put it that way. Here are some of the others that you vote on on the poll at 101ESPN.com. Just scroll down and go uh, poll by poll. You've got number four seed Willie McGee against the Voice of the Blues, our friend John Kelly. You've got our buddy here, Danny Mack, against Tim McCarver. Two broadcast partners going against each other. Two buddies squaring off. Yeah, and a Cardinal Hall of Famer and a future Cardinal Hall of Famer in Danny Mack. Plus, you've got number two seed Ryan O'Reilly against former Big Red kicker Neil O'Donohue, who did lose a few games for the Big Red in the 80s, but won a few games too. But also an incredible Irish last name. He was from Ireland. He is from Ireland. O'Donohue? Yeah. So he even speaks with a, with an Irish brogue. <laughs> does he? He does, yeah. Nice. And then you've got number seven seed Dan Kelly against Joe Buck, another fantastic broadcaster battle. You've got one of our all-time favorites, the late great Jim Hannafin, as a number three seed against Soccer Hall of Famer Pat McBride. And then, Michelle, you've got a real battle between two great athletes, Al McInnes and Jack Flaherty. <laughs> There's a lot of great matchups here in the first round, Randy, but I think Chopper versus Jack Flaherty might be the toughest one to choose between because people are going to love each of them for totally different reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got a guy who for a decade was a stalwart on the Blues Blue Line and made the Hall of Fame, and he's in the Hall of Fame in large part because of his Blues performance, and Jack Flaherty might wind up being one of the all-time Cardinal greats, and right now is one of the all-time Cardinal, well, not one of the all-time, one of the current Cardinal favorites. And you can say his last name the way that you just did. Jack Flaherty. Exactly. Happy happy St. Patty's Day, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. Go to Twitter and fill out your bracket. It's not really a bracket. It's just polls, and then we're, we're, we're going to cut down our first 
cut down is going to come later in this hour. And then throughout the course of the morning, we will bring you up to date on new brackets. So it's very important that you vote right now. This round will be live until 745. We'll reveal the Elite Eight during Take It or Leave It. When that round's voting will immediately begin on Twitter, Elite Eight voting will go through 830. Then we'll reveal the final four. Final four voting goes through 915. And then... The championship round, the final two, our ultimate Irishman will be revealed during the crossover with Danny Mac. Randy, I just went to Twitter.com to vote on the polls, and the first thing that pops up is a tweet from you with this incredible St. Patrick's Day breakfast that you had this morning. How about that? I had green eggs. You had green eggs, and what is this other thing you have going on It's a green pancake. It had mint. And with... Frosting on top yeah, of it? Yeah, John made it with uh, frosting and the face and stuff. Yeah, It looks delicious. It was fantastic. I am very jealous. Yeah. So, we're into the green at the character house. And Randy is wearing a blue, or excuse me, a green hoodie that says Ireland mm-hmm. on it. And he has a hat with a shamrock. Cardinal cap with a, a shamrock. A cardinal cap. So there you re- go. You are ready for today. I am ready for St. Patty's Day. Uh, Jack Flaherty pitched yesterday on the side for the Cardinals. And he hadn't pitched a lot in games, but thought... He uh, should bring to the media his opinion about his performance. I mean, settings like that are always are always interesting. You know, you want to make it competitive, and you want to, um, you know, you, it's always nice to compete against compete against your own guys. Um, you know, there's just little things that that go into it that uh, that are nice. You know, they, they had a they had a good approach going. It took a second to you know to figure that out, and make some adjustments. Um, you know, anytime you get a couple, you know, so homers, you know, it was a nice. It was, we were working in the zone, but then, uh, you know, they put a couple of good swings on some, some pitches. But, um, you know, I mean, we had the scoreboard going. It's, it's always competition when when it's between teammates. And, uh, yeah, you know, as, as the game went on, and just, you know, we were able to make a small little, like, mechanical adjustment. And uh, things got a little bit sharper. Things got a little bit better as, 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 as the game kind of went on. Um, so, you know, it was good to... Kind of run the pitch count up a little bit and, uh, yeah, face those guys, get those guys in the box. Now, Michelle, I realize there was nothing particularly compelling or educational or meaningful about what Jack Flaherty just said, but it did allow me to say Jack Flaherty. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I wanted to get it in there so that I could say Jack Flaherty on St. Patty's Day. We're going to have to find a way for you to say his name a lot today. Yeah. (laughs) We'll have to come up with some sort of a conversation point about Jack Flaherty. I, I'm just going to even pause and let you say set his name. <laughs> set yep. you up for it. I'll, I'll be the bowling pins. You, uh, you, I'll, I'll set him up. You knock, uh, You set me up, and I'll knock him down. Okay, question for you about yeah. St. Patrick's Day. Yes. One of the things about St. Patrick's Day that's always great is people have buttons on that say, kiss me, I'm Irish. Yeah. In a pandemic, you can't do that. No, can't do it. Now, is that something you think is going to happen post-pandemic, where people are going to be into kissing strangers because they're Irish? I'm telling you that... For many people, nothing will change. Once people are vaccinated, they're going to be back to what they were before. People are going to say, oh, pandemic. Look what happened. We had a pandemic in 1918. And by 2020, we didn't remember it. And uh, 2019, we were doing the exact same things that we were. Heck, we had the roaring 20s after the 1918 pandemic. Seemed like a great time. Yeah. So we're about to have the roaring 20s now. So Irishmen everywhere, beware. Oh, People no are coming to smooch. <laughs> no question about it. Uh, cards <laughs> and Astros tonight, 505 Adam Wainwright against Brian Abreu. Blues play the Kings tonight, 8 o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario, 9 o'clock puck drop from the Staples Center. Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale and head coach Craig Berube, we mentioned yesterday, the Calvary's a coming. Yeah, Bozak uh, will play tomorrow night 
and uh, uh, actually Schwartz is uh, still not sure either. If he doesn't play tomorrow, he'll play Friday. And then uh, Robert Thomas is making real good progress, but he's not ready yet. Uh, Jacob Delarose will be available too this week, uh, possibly tomorrow. And, uh, you know, no Perinko still yet. So, Michelle, I am the Vegas Golden Knights. I am the uh, Minnesota Wild. I am the Colorado Avalanche. And mm-hmm. I hear that cut from Craig Bruby, and I say, uh oh. Uh oh, is right. <laughs> The, the, boys back. Are, the boys are coming back. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The Blues have, so. have done a good job in the absence of, of such talent, but the boys are coming back. Yep, and perfect timing because those guys will be rounding into form when April starts and the Blues have that tough schedule and the Blues will roll to the playoffs and roll through the playoffs and win another Stanley Cup. That sounds great. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Stanley Cups are good. Do you feel good about their chances if they get all the, all these guys back and they're firing on all yes. cylinders? Yeah, I do too. I really do. Here's the thing I've always thought about this particular group of players. Even when Mike Yo got fired, they had games where if they played their game and they set the tempo because they're so physical, there's nobody in the league that can play with them because, well, Boston, I, I shouldn't say nobody because there are a couple of big, strong teams that can bang with them. But if the Blues are setting the tempo, just look at some of the rosters around the NHL and look at the number of Blues forwards that are 200 pounds. Look at the rest of the league. Until they got Pat Maroon last year, the Tampa Bay Lightning had one forward that was 200 pounds. And that's the Blues are ba- the, the Blues had two that weren't 200 pounds. Blues' best guy is 220 pounds, right. Tarasenko. And as Tory Krug says, he said it best to us, didn't he? He said yeah. they come at you in waves and they just bang and bang and bang and bang. And ultimately what happens is you wind up in game six and four of your best players can't play because they've been banged so much. <laughs> Context, Randy. Now, I, I'm excited for us to do our weekly visit with uh, David Perron later in the show because I wonder what the sense is among the team knowing that these guys are coming back. They got to be fired up. Right? I'm sure they're so. Well, we talked to him about having Vladdy back and and what a infusion that is, not only from a hockey standpoint, but from a mental standpoint. To know that you have a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko back out on the ice, and to think Bozy's coming, to think that all of these guys, except for or excuse me, except for Pareko, who we don't know when his return is likely up, but that they're all getting ready to come back is good news. David Perron, by the way, at 9.30, we're going to talk to Mizzou's forward Jeremiah Tillman at 9 o'clock. couple of notes overnight from NFL Free Agency. The 49ers gave Trent Williams a six-year deal, $138 million. Left tackles are kind of important, and so he becomes the highest-paid offensive lineman in the history of the NFL, a $30.1 million signing bonus, $55.1 million in guaranteed money for a left tackle. Cha-ching! Not bad. Good for Trent Williams. Houston and Tyrod Taylor reached agreement on a one-year deal for $12.5 million. What's that tell you? That they're also uncertain about the future of Deshaun Watson. Yep, I think they are. (laughs) That they're waiting to see who blinks first and that they're not so sure that Deshaun is not going to (laughs) blink. Yep. The Bears tried to trade for Russell Wilson. They were told, nope, we aren't moving him by Seattle. And so the Bears assigned... Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, to a one-year deal worth $10 million. I got to tell you, Randy, a lot of my peeps in Chicago are just despondent over this. I can understand. If you thought you were going to get, you were hoping you were going to get Russell Wilson and you get the Red Rifle. But keep this in mind. That franchise in Cincinnati is pretty much as bad as the Rams were here for the last decade they were here. And he led them to the playoffs five years in a row. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. 
and he did a pretty good job. I don't know if he still has the physical capabilities that he did. I'm just saying you had Mitch Trubisky. You could do worse than Andy Dalton. That is true. But like I said yesterday, this is like waking up on Christmas morning and thinking you're getting an Xbox or a new iPad, Mm -hmm. and then you get socks. They're needed. They get the job that they're asked to do done. But it's certainly not something that you would choose. It's not at the top of the list. Yeah, no, not at all. And no disrespect to Andy Dalton. I hate to compare him to Sox, but that's basically what he is. That's basically what he is. When compared to Deshaun and Russell Wilson. Yeah, right. And if you're a Bears fan and you've had months of dreaming about one of those two guys, and then you see the tweet from Schefter that the Bears threw essentially everything they had Mm -hmm. at the Seahawks and still didn't get Russ, you just kind of feel like this is out. This is our luck on on St. Patrick's Day. And Tiger Woods has made it home to Florida. Do you think he was taken out of the hospital in a wheelchair? I would imagine, Randy, yes. He has severe leg injuries, so I would imagine he's not (laughs) dancing out. How tough is he? Oh, geez. Here we go. (laughs) I think he's pretty tough. (laughs) So Tiger's back home. Get well, Tiger. And uh, LeBron James bought into the group that owns the Boston Red Sox. So basically LeBron's taking over the world. Yes, he is. Yeah, Fenway Sports Group, uh, that gives him him an ownership stake at LeBron. In the Red Sox, Liverpool, Roush Fenway Racing, and Nesson. He's a Yankees fan and he's an Indians fan. And now he's a part owner of the Red Sox. I think we've seen LeBron jump from team to team yeah. from a fan fandom perspective. So I have no doubt that he's going to leave the Yankees behind. I would hope so. Yes. <laughs> I, w- I would think so. But it's going to be weird when he plays the Celtics in the NBA Finals. Yeah, that will be weird. Yeah. That's uh, the opening drive here on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Again, go to Twitter. We have the Ultimate Irishman Bracket up, and you need to participate in eight different polls right now at 101 ESPN's Twitter page. We'd love to have you join us for the Ultimate Irishman Bracket this morning on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Happy St. Paddy's Day. Coming up, ask Uncle Randy. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. I'll answer the most important questions you have next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. I've been around, you know. It's time for Ask Uncle Randy. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And Michelle has your questions, whatever they may might be about dealing with St. Patrick's Day during a pandemic. Maybe you have some uh, issues with a, a loved one or a significant other. Or maybe you just want to talk sports with Uncle Randy. You can do so, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, what do you have on that text line? This one from the 636. Dear Uncle Randy, my girlfriend recently got a bad haircut. She used to have really long hair, and she chopped it short. When she came home, she was upset, said she didn't like it, asked my opinion. I agreed with her, said I also didn't like it, and then she got upset with me. I was just being honest. How do I smooth this over? All right. Number one, everything you did was correct. So we're trying to smooth over something that you were correct about. The play here is to say, hey, I love you any way you are, and your hair will grow back. I don't think it's unreasonable for you to not like your haircut and then ask me, and I say, no, I agree with you. That's what you were asking me. Do you agree with me? And I agreed with you. I apologize for agreeing with you, but I still think you're beautiful. Here's the line. Your worst haircut is the best haircut any other woman in the world can have. Wow, Randy. That's your play. 
Or you say, no, I do like it. I was just agreeing with you to make you feel better. No, because then she'll get a cut that way again. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you don't want that. But that is kind of rough in the moment if you're feeling insecure about your hair because a hair is a big deal. Oh, I know. And then your significant other says, yeah, I don't like it either. Yeah. Like, man, this really is bad. That, I would say the, the male species in that particular situation is in what we call a no-win situation. He's definitely in it. He's he's taking an L no matter what. Yeah, right. He's taking an L no matter what. <laughs> but in that moment, your opinion doesn't matter. You just need to comfort her and make her feel right. good about herself. And by the way, don't talk about inner beauty today. Just say, go with, hey, your worst haircut is anybody else's best. Man. Don't, don't say... I feel bad for him. He's in a tough spot. Yeah, don't, don't say... But you're beautiful on the inside. That, that's not something that you say today. Maybe buy her a hat? <laughs> no, don't do that either. Even a green St. Patrick's Day Cardinal cap. No. I, I really like that it'll grow back. It will. And, and play the pandemic card. We're in a pandemic. We're not yeah. socializing the way we used to. You, you know, who are you seeing? People right. on Zoom? Yeah. Just don't go out. And it'll nothing, grow back. There's nothing wrong with experimenting. That's right. I went blonde during, the, during quarantine. Yeah. Well, my thought process was, if it looks bad, I'm not going to see anybody. Right. Yeah. So what does it matter? So, yeah. That's the, that's the tricky thing, though. Hair is so important, and we want to try something new. We want to experiment, but it could go left in a hurry. See, that's another thing about guys is I wash my hair, I brush it five times, and I'm done. I just whoop, 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 whoop. And you have a brush here on the, on the I, desk. I do, yeah. And so simple. When I'm out of the shower... It's whoop, 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 and I'm done. Have you ever tried anything different? Have you grown your hair out long? Have you done a buzz cut? When my hair, when I was younger, I've never done it. Well, I did a buzz cut just for charity one time. Okay. And I actually liked it because it was so easy to care for. When I was younger, I would grow my hair long and it was just poofy. It was, <laughs> it was, it was just big hair. It wasn't, you know, I couldn't grow my hair long down my back. It just got poofy. Interesting. Yeah. We need those pictures one day, Randy. I think there might be a, there might be a picture of me on social media somewhere. We'll look for that. Find it. Okay, here, here's another one from the 636. Dear Uncle Randy, my father-in-law stinks at grilling. He overcooks everything. I guess my wife is accustomed to it, but I hate it. How do I tell her that her dad's cooking is terrible? Oh, man. So she's accustomed to it. Okay. Here's what Uncle Randy would do. I would set it up so that it's a wife, right? Not a girlfriend. The wife, yes. Okay. I would have the in-laws over, and I would do the grilling all the time. I would not allow pops to do the grilling. I There's no excuse for being a bad griller. Now, here's one thing you can do, all right? And you, do, you don't have to include her in the process. And I brought this up before. Our uh, general manager, John Kioski, has one now. Get him a Weber Eye Grill. Go to uh, uh, your local locally owned Ace Hardware store. Pick up a, a Weber Eye Grill, or you can get it on Amazon if you want, whatever, Home Depot. They have them everywhere, Lowe's. Get a Weber Eye Grill and, what it, uh, and help him with this, okay? What a Weber Eye Grill does, you put a probe in the meat. If you want medium well steak put the probe in the meat you download it an app and when it gets to 155 degrees boom you take it out when you're doing chicken it gets to 165 degrees boom you're out it's not hard grilling as he should know unfortunately he doesn't is not hard so i'm helping him and i'm helping you 
Get him the Weber Eye Grill. It'll tell him every single internal temperature he needs to know, and he will become immediately a better griller. And if you really want to help out, whether it's for Father's Day, a birthday, a gift, just because he's bad at grilling, uh, get him some good rub, too. Get, yes. get him some stuff that, some, that he can properly... Uh, spice the meat with just make him a better griller yeah tell him that you are into grilling yourself and you watch this youtube video and you were amazed at how amazing the meat turned out and he should try it you need to just slowly you know give him a little bit of info to help him out in addition to the gifts and the next time you're going to go over to their house for a, a meal that he's going to grill buy the meat yourself too so you bring the meat you bring the weber eye grill you bring the spice. All he's doing is using the spatula. You're doing the grilling. I love that. From the 314, dear Uncle Randy, how do you eat corned beef and cabbage with or without horseradish? I hate corned beef and cabbage. So oh, apologetically, I say that is an N.A. for me. I've never had it. I haven't either. Well, I have, but I didn't like it. I haven't had it since I was a kid, I'll say. Uh, I would say... <laughs> That to hide the flavor of corned beef and cabbage, uh, cabbage, I would be inclined to go with the horseradish, though. Horseradish is awesome. Horseradish is good. Cabbage is not. Corned beef is good. I like a good corned beef sandwich. I just don't like the cabbage on it. Hmm. Okay. No but I'm not. I'm not going there, as our friend Steve Spagnola would say. I'm not going to go there. Randy, do you want a tough one? Okay. This from the 314, another father-in-law issue. Okay. My father-in-law wants to make every sporting event I watch with him a discussion about politics and race. How do I handle that? You have to guide the discussion here. And I know it's difficult. But And especially older people, they like to talk about politics and race. But you have to, as they say in politics, pivot. Okay. Uh, you're watching a Cardinal game, and he says, um, uh, that, that player, he, he's a left winger. Uh, you say, hey, did you know that the Blues have a great left winger coming back? So, <laughs> <laughs> That is a very good segue. Thank you. Yeah, he's, he's too far left for me. Well, you know, I like Thomas in left also. But I think I might go with Tyler O'Neill. Perfect. Yeah. You have to pivot. You have to try to get him involved in the sporting event. rather. And nobody, none of us want to talk politics or religion. The other thing you could do is be blunt about it. Say, I prefer to talk about sports. I really don't pay attention to politics and religion, and I don't want to talk about it. And see if that works. Yeah, maybe just be honest. Yeah. It's been a heavy year. We want to enjoy sports for the competition and just that. Right. And unfortunately, that's why a lot of people want to talk sports and uh, or politics and religion is for competition. That's true. No, you're absolutely right. But that was a tough one because that is a delicate conversation yeah. to have with a father-in-law. Right. So, I think if it's your own parent, it's yeah. an easier but try, talk. But try to pivot to what's happening in the game. And if he won't, just say, boy, I would... And tell them, say, I can't talk about this. I, I'm not even, even if you are paying attention, tell them you don't pay attention, that you just want to talk about sports. That's right. Say, you know, I listen to Carriker and Smallman, and this guy, Randy Carriker, on the air on the, in the morning, he's really shallow, and I want to be like him. Bingo. 
Blame Randy. <laughs> Pivot to blaming Randy. Blame Uncle Randy. That's right. Okay, I have two more for you, Randy. Right. From the 314, hey, Randy, my wife and I married for over 30 years. Congratulations to you guys. Yep. She's a dog lover, and I am not. Oh. We just recently put down a dog that we had for 15 years, and we have two others, but she's already telling me she would like to get another dog. How do I tell her if she gets another dog, I'm moving out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you that the the dog is going to make her happy. You've been together for 30 years. I get that you aren't a dog lover. She obviously is. This is one that you have to acquiesce on. You have to back off and just say, hey, if that's what makes you happy, we're going to get another dog. Uh, I always say pick your battles to people, to guys that are married. That's a battle you aren't going to win. So yeah, you're either, she's either going to get a dog or you're going to move out. So I, I would say just deal with it and deal with the dog. And dogs are awesome. Try to make a connection with that dog. Make it your dog. My dog this morning, so Moose, who's a great dog. He's five years old. He's, he looks like a yellow lab. He's 35% Rottweiler. We got a, a, a DNA test done on him. Nice. So I am sleeping, and my right hand is off the edge of the bed. And he goes downstairs, goes outside, comes back up to Dad, and he just gently licks the tips of my fingers and then jumps back up on the bed. He gives me a kiss as he's coming back to bed. How sweet. Yeah. But also, the wife already has two dogs. I'm sorry for their loss. That dog, uh, sounds like dog number one, passed. But dogs two and three, you still have. That is, I'm telling you, that's part of the deal. First time we had three dogs, I was the one who brought it home for an anniversary present. The next time we had three dogs, we were a foster failure. We we fostered with Gateway Golden Retriever Rescue and brought home Tucker. And after one night, there was no way Tucker was leaving. He was going to be my dog. So he was. So that was the second time we had three dogs. There's no difference between having two and three. And it's good for the dogs. It's like kids, once you have two. Yeah, right. All all the same. Okay, last one from the 636. Hankel Randy, my mom is so addicted to Facebook. I feel like I never get to talk to her anymore because she's constantly scrolling the timeline. What should I do to get her to pay more attention to me when we talk? This is a prevalent problem, and it's a serious problem in our country, and I would assume the world. And... I would suggest if she's scrolling on a telephone, I would say, Mom, when I come over, can you please put the phone up in a cabinet for a half hour so we can talk? And I understand it is an addiction. People are Mm -hmm. absolutely addicted to social media and their phones. The only thing you can do is try to get her to put the phone away. Or if she's on the computer, say, Mom, can we turn the computer off? and sit and talk for a half hour. And then you kind of have to wean her off of it. And obviously when you're not there, she's on the Facebook. But when you're there, you have to try to A, let her be your focus. Don't bring your phone in. And B, say, Mom, I'm here to talk to you. I don't want, with all due respect, I know that you like your friends on Facebook a lot, but can you talk to them later and talk to me? And then see if you can get her to put the phone in a drawer or a cabinet for the half hour or hour that you're there. Why not pull a Derek Jeter? Put it in a basket. Yeah. Basket by the door. Bring the basket yourself. Make it as difficult as you can for her to retrieve it while you are there. And there's the other thing you can say is, hey, mom, I, I watched a show about this. I understand that you're addicted to Facebook, but I'm here and I'm your son. There you go. Because it is an addiction. There's absolutely no doubt that the social media companies have drawn us in. 
I, I was seriously thinking, and I've told you this before, but I, I still have like a, a flip phone at home. Yes. But now we're going to reach a point, I don't know if you saw, that to travel, you're going to have to have a phone to open your hotel room doors. They aren't going to do ticketing anymore at airports. Everything is going to be on your phone. Mine's already on my phone. Yeah. So when you take a trip, you aren't going to have any paper. You aren't going to have any cards. It's going to be touchless. And everything that you do when you vacation is going to be on your phone. I would say your phone right now is the number one thing that you wouldn't want to lose. I, I agree, sadly, with that. Because it has so much of you on it. It has yep. your contacts. It has uh, your credit card probably tied to your phone. It has, as you mentioned, all of these other things from a security standpoint. That thing is essentially glued to us at all yeah, times. And it it's is. only going to get worse. Right. So I, I get where your mom is because it's happening. But treat her like she's a kid and say, hey, we got to put away the phone for a while. The 636 has a good suggestion. They say post something crazy on Facebook so she sees it while she's sitting right in front of you. <laughs> so post, I'm sitting across from my mom, and she won't look at me because she's scrolling on her timeline. That might wake her up a little bit. Publicly shame her on the timeline. <laughs> hey, thanks very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Don't forget right now, the Ultimate Irishman Bracket is open on Twitter. Go to 101 ESPN's Twitter page and vote. We've got Jack Buck versus Ed McCauley, the number two seed Ryan O'Reilly against Neil O'Donohue. The number three seed this morning is Jim Hannafin against Pat McBride. Number four seed Willie McGee against John Kelly. The number five seed Danny Mack against his broadcast partner Tim McCarver. Number six Al McKinnis against Jack Flaherty. Number seven Dan Kelly and Joe Buck. Numbers eight and nine a great matchup between Mark McGuire and Mike Shannon. So make sure that you vote and in about 10 minutes, we'll tell you who won in round number one. Coming up, a couple of Cardinals are setting themselves apart at spring training. We're going to tell you who's really making a move next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle, here we are halfway through spring training games for the Cardinals and some players that were in competition appear to be making moves to be on the roster or solidify their spots for opening day in the lineup. And chief among those appears to be Tyler O'Neill. 12 hits. He's hitting 500, 520 on base, 875 slug, a 1.395 OPS. And it was my thought, and I think we agree, that at the beginning of spring training, O'Neill was in a battle with Lane Thomas for left field. Somebody was going to battle with Tyler O'Neill. I believe that O'Neill has solidified his position as the Cardinals left fielder for opening day. I agree. And even though I think that was a battle, I would have been shocked if Tyler O'Neill didn't at least get the first crack at it during the regular season as well. But his performance to this point, at least during spring training, has only, as you said, solidified the fact that he's going to be the guy. And he was going to get that opportunity because he was the gold glove winner exactly. last year. And they, he does have the raw power. But when you hit 500 for the first half of spring training and you're doing everything right, you've cut down on your strikeouts, everything seems to be trending positively for Tyler O'Neill. And the Cardinals have said consistently, we want to evaluate him. We want to give him the chance. Maybe he'll be able to take advantage of 450 at-bats. I really hope so. The outfield is such a question mark heading into this season. And really, if you can have one to two guys 
separate themselves out there. That would be so beneficial for the Cardinals, obviously. But I think a lot of people are looking at Dylan Carlson as the guy that's going to take that next step Mm -hmm. this year. And I almost write that in Sharpie. That, to me, is almost expected, that if he is what the Cardinals believe he is, that we're going to see that progression. To me, the bigger question is, can Tyler O'Neill do it and do it consistently? And can we see the offensive production from Harrison Bader? I would think that we'll probably see O'Neill hitting the way things have gone. I I would think that he'll be a number six hitter. He's a really good fit for the number six slot. A guy that we had not heard a lot about as spring training started is Jose Rondon, who's hitting 286 with a 353 on base, 786 slug. And this 27-year-old has been around the block. He's been with the Padres and the White Sox and the Orioles in the past. But, Michelle, we talked a lot about Edmundo Sosa being the backup middle infielder at the beginning of camp. I believe that Rondon has passed him and has a really good chance to be there on opening day with the Cardinals, in part because of his veteran status, but primarily because of his performance in the spring. It does seem like he might have played himself into getting a spot and a jersey. And I'm guessing the Cardinals will have five bench players. So they'll have a backup catcher. They'll probably have two backup outfielders. And right now you're looking at Lane Thomas and maybe Williams. So that gives you two backup infielders, and one of them is probably going to be Matt Carpenter. So that left Edmundo Sosa, but Edmundo Sosa, who is out of options, but could be outrighted, nobody's going to pick him up. Mm -hmm. So you, you could keep Rondon, who right now appears to be a better player. He can play all the positions and... He seems to be a better fit. The other guy who's having a great spring, and I just don't see a spot for him, is John Nagowski. And he, he's a fun guy. He's a good guy. He's hitting the daylights out of the ball. He can play first base. But I just gave you my backup players. Where do you fit him? Yeah, especially if you're a first base <laughs> yeah. first baseman, right? I think you're right. Despite Nagowski having a good spring, it's like musical chairs. And he, unfortunately, is probably the guy left standing without a seat. Yeah, and he'll be a really good guy to have if something should happen to Paul Goldschmidt or if you want to plug him in in the outfield or you need a DH at some point, he'll be a really good guy to be able to bring up from Memphis. The other guy that's made the biggest impression on me is Tommy Parson, who's pitched eight in the third inning, the relief pitcher who was drafted by the Cardinals, didn't know much about him at the beginning of spring training, has yet to allow a run. And, Michelle, I think this is a guy that is going to make the team and is going to fill a middle relief role. And we had no idea who he was at the beginning of spring training, but he has all the elements. He fills up the strike zone, he gets strike one, and he just keeps doing it. Throws 93-94, he's not going to blow people away, but he's a great fit for that middle of the bullpen role. Isn't that one of the best things about spring training? Love it. Is the guy that who you didn't really know who he was, you thought he might be somebody that's just there and that you never really hear about again, has a great spring, and then all of a sudden he becomes somebody that can't be valuable for your team? I thought it was notable, by the way, the other day. I think it was Monday's game because Kyle McClellan had told us, well, once I started throwing to Yachty, I yes. felt pretty good. And there's Parson in the game in the sixth inning, I think, with Yachty catching. It is kind of telling. I never thought of it that way, but it is kind of telling for a young pitcher. That was a great interview we had with Kyle McClellan. He really gave us some good insight into what it's like for these guys in spring training. And you're right. If they think enough of you to have you in there throwing to Yachty, you've got to start having confidence in yourself that things are going pretty well. And the Cardinals back at it tonight against Houston. Coming up, we're going to give you the round one results of the ultimate Irishman bracket on this St. Patrick's Day 2021 on Carriker and Smallman. Plus, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We have Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. We are right
right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Eric Ernst Ballman on 101 ESPN. We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. But let's get to the results of round one of the ultimate Irishman sports bracket here in St. Louis on 101 ESPN. And Michelle, we're off and running with Al McKinnis with a dominant victory over Jack Flaherty. 84 to 16, 84% to 16% for Al McKinnis over Jack Flaherty. As great as Jack, Randy. Flaherty. Oh, I thought you were going to go buck. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. As great as Jack Flaherty is, yeah. I can imagine a lot of people would want to vote for Chopper here. Not only a great blue, great member of the St. Louis community for a long time and a, and a great Irish name. Right. Yeah. You got to go with that one. Uh, Jack Buck and Ed McCauley. Uh, Jack Buck with a pretty resounding victory in this one. A 94.4% to 5.6%. Wow. Total domination. Yeah. Um, pretty remarkable. Dan Kelly and Joe Buck. This one was uh, close. 56 to 44. The legendary blues broadcaster who, as you mentioned yesterday, does have a shamrock in the rafters at Enterprise Center. Uh, So Dan Kelly advances over Joe Buck 56 to 44. When the way that the team is going to honor you is to put a shamrock on your banner, being Irish is your identity. So as much as we love Joe Buck, I think Dan Kelly gets the nod today. Kind of Irish, yeah. Uh, Mike (laughs) Shannon with a victory over Mark McGuire to move to the second round. So you've got a second round matchup of Jack Buck and Mike Shannon. Wow. The the broadcaster duel. Well, that one was kind of a surprise to me, even though we love Mike Shannon. I thought more people might pick Mark McGuire. I did too. And I'm I'm pleased to see the broadcasters getting so much love. Me too. I love it. Speaking of broadcasters getting love, Danny Mack advances with a victory over Tim McCarver. All right. Love that for our guy, Danny Mack. And Danny McLaughlin will take on Willie McGee in round two. Wow, that's a tough, tough matchup for Danny Mac because does anyone dislike Willie McGee? No, he's like the most, even Whitey said he's the most popular Cardinal ever, even more popular than Ozzy. So uh, everybody loves Danny Mac, but I'm sure Dan doesn't even want to go up against Willie McGee you in this competition. You, you just don't want to face Danny Mac because he's beloved. That's and then true. Ryan O'Reilly advances with a resounding victory over Neil O'Donoghue. So in round two, it'll be Ryan O'Reilly against Dan Kelly. That's tough. That's a really tough matchup. A so, tough matchup of two great blues. Yeah. So here again in your second round and go to Twitter and vote right now. Jack Buck versus Mike Shannon. So you've got the the one versus the nine there. And Shannon with an upset win over McGuire. McGee versus Danny Mack. Both of the uh, chalk seeds advance there. Ryan O'Reilly against Dan Kelly. And Jim Hannafin against Al McKinnis. Love it. Vote going to be great all right uh michelle let's get to take it or leave it here on 101 espn and uh, we'll start with this trent williams last night re-signed with the san francisco 49ers 138 million and 65 million guaranteed take it or leave it left tackles are still undervalued in the nfl i'm gonna take it because even though Despite the contract that you just laid out, we and we know the value of a left tackle, it's still not valued as much as a quarterback or 
Or a defensive end. Or a defensive end. Right. Yeah, there's still other positions that we view as more important than a left tackle. And yes, of course, a transcendent quarterback is more important than anything. But you need somebody to protect that guy. Thank you. <laughs> you need someone to protect him. I mean, look at Andrew Luck. And all, all what would Andrew Luck have been if he didn't get injured and have to sustain so much, so many hits over the years? Why does Russell Wilson want to get traded? Exactly. I, I think those two should be tied for first when you're talking about you. value on a team. Take it or leave it, Randy. No fan base is having a worse morning today than the Chicago Bears. I, I will take that, yes, because they had expectations. At least if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, you say, oh, we, we just suck. Right. But if you're a Bears fan, you made the playoffs last year with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles as your quarterbacks, and you're thinking, okay, we could win 10 games if we got a real guy. If we get Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, we might win 11 or 12 games. I they also. Got I also. This is such a passionate fan base too. Yep. It's not a fan base that over the years has gotten apathetic in any way. I had a Bears fan that I'm friends with tweet this last night. It's a long list of the uh, names of pretty fairly recent Bears quarterbacks, and some of these names I totally oh. forgot. How about Josh McCown, Jimmy Clausen? Remember Matt Barkley was there. Oh, Brian yeah. Hoyer, Mike Glennon, of course Trubisky, oh. Chase Daniel, Foles, Andy Dalton. The best guy on the Brian Greasy, Kyle Orton, Jonathan Quinn. The best guy on the list is Jay Cutler by a mile. That is a shame. That's bad. Just to look at it all in order like that, the Bears and their fans have endured a pretty long time without a guy at quarterback, their guy. And you mentioned the passion of their fan base. And I was uh, good friends with a general manager of the Bears flagship station, WBBM up in Chicago. He was actually a former general manager of mine here in St. Louis. And I ran into him one time at a Super Bowl, and it was a year the Bears were good. So I guess it was I guess the Rams were in it. It must have been the 2002 Super Bowl. And we were in the midst of a war in the Middle East. And he's WBBM is an all news station, and they they've got the Bears. I said, "How you doing?" He said, "Well, the Bears had a good year." I said, "Yeah." And he said, "And we're at war." I said, "Yeah." <laughs> he said, "Bombs and bears, Randy. Bombs and bears. That's all I'm looking for." Bombs and bears. <laughs> wow. Yep. Because if you had a war going on and you had the Bears, people were listening to his radio station. So my friend Joe Flam, people might have remember him as the winner of Top Chef season 15. We actually had him on my podcast about a month ago. Month maybe a month and a half ago, right when the Deshaun stuff started Mm -hmm. to pick up steam. And we asked him, Sarudi and I gave him a list of things that he would do. Like, would you do this for Deshaun? And he said yes to everything and then said, no lie, if in the moment you had me in the war room and it was... If you give up your son, <laughs> you might get Deshaun there. He goes, I would think about it. That's how badly Bears fans want a quarterback, and I would consider it. I love that he passion. Goes, I might catch a divorce to get Deshaun. You never know. Now, quick take it or leave it here. If you were served a Top Chef portion for every meal, you would go through life starving. Because it is very small. It's Pierce a very, yeah. it's a very bite-sized, uh, you know... I want to take it initially, but I'm going to leave it because you're going to eat the entire portion. A lot of times you get something and you don't eat mm-hmm. all of it because it might not be that good. So at least you're eating the whole thing because it's likely great if it's coming from a chef, a great chef. I would go through life starving. <laughs> 
like a one inch by one inch cube of fish or something like that. That ain't working for me. I read and then it's got some very pretty carrots. They're sliced carrots on top of it. Yeah, it's dressed beautifully. Yeah. I was reading this thing the other day that if you're trying to work on portion control, put your food on a smaller plate. It's a big thing. We have bigger plates in America than any place else in the world. Right. Emily, what do you got for us? From the 618, take it or leave it, Albert joins the 700 Club before retiring. It's a good one. He's uh, 660, 272, 82, 92, 38 away. I think I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it, too. I think he'll try to... I think he's really going to consider extending his career to get there, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if the market will be there and or if he'll really get that opportunity anywhere. And as much as I would love to see it happen, I'm going to leave it. My biggest question would be, will his ego allow him to sign a contract for a million dollars so that he can pursue the record? Because I don't think anybody's going to give him big money to try to, or even reasonable money for a guy that has his resume to try to pursue that record. He's made so much money throughout his career. I'm assuming that if that was the option that he had, that he might take it. And the other bad thing about it, Michelle, would be if he does sign somewhere, he's only pursuing the record. Correct. From the 636, take it or leave it. By season's end, we will conclude that the Cardinals won the O'Neill-Gonzalez trade with Seattle. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to take it. I'm going to be sunshine lollipops. All right, I'll take it too. Fingers crossed. Yeah. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Cardinals break their team record of 235 home runs hit in one season. Leave it. Ball is de-juiced. Uh-huh. I'm still, I'm, with this offense, I have to see it to believe it. Right. You know, I'm still leaning on what I've seen for the past few seasons, which hasn't been great. So until I see it, until I see consistent power and consistent production. 100 out of Goldschmidt, Arenado, Carlson, and DeYoung. And maybe O'Neill will hit a few, but I don't think they're going to get many out of Bader. I don't think they're going to get any out of second base. I don't think Yachty will hit many. So I don't think up and down the lineup they're going to have enough home run production to be able to pull that off. From the 636, take it or leave it, if The Rock closes the deal to merge the XFL with the CFL next season, the Battlehawks will sell out a game. I think... I'm going to take it, but I think the Battlehawks will sell out a game, whether it's the XFL singular or the XFL and CFL. I think whatever iteration uh, that league takes on, if the Battlehawks return, they're going to sell out. <laughs> I agree. And that's relative. It'll be the the most tickets they have available to sell. If, Correct. If they put 45,000 on sale, they'll, they'll sell, sell 45. I would be surprised if that league would want the Battlehawks to try to sell all 66,000 seats at the beginning of a week or whatever. I think they would probably do what they did with the XFL. What we saw here in mm-hmm. St. Louis is they would open a certain amount of seats. And then once they had guaranteed that there was the appetite in the market mm-hmm. for that, then they would expand it again. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up, Michelle and I are going to give you our East Region brackets in the NCAA tournament on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
It is 8.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler on Twitter's 101 ESPN page. You need to go there and vote right now in round two of the Ultimate Irishman Bracket. Jim Hannafin versus Al McKinnis. And right now, Al is dominating the coach 71.6 to 28.4%. In the Jack Buck versus Mike Shannon battle, Jack leads 67.6% to 32.4. Willie McGee and Dan McLaughlin going at it, Michelle? Yes. Danny Mac has the lead, 56% to 44%. Wow, Danny Mac, what's yeah. up? And you've got the Ryan O'Reilly versus Dan Kelly battle, and I figured this one would be close, and it is. At the moment, Ryan O'Reilly leading Dan Kelly 54% to 46%. Get to Twitter and vote on the Ultimate Irishman bracket here on 101 ESPN's Character and Smallman. I will be shocked if Danny Mac ends up taking home the victory over Willie McGee. And that's not because Danny Mac isn't great. We love him. But Willie McGee is beloved universally. So look at Dan right now. Yeah, just to be in the lead is pretty fantastic. If if Dan beats Willie, I almost like his chances to take this whole thing. Yeah, if you beat Willie McGee, yeah, I'm I'm with you. By the way, uh, you can play Bracket Madness on 101 ESPN. Just to go there and participate. I'm at the Bracket Madness page right now, Michelle, as we take a look at our East region and... uh, the number one seed in the East, Michigan. They'll take on the Mount St. Mary's Texas Southern winner. Who do you like there? I think I'm going to go with Michigan, Randy. I too. Go with the Wolverines. How about LSU and the St. Bonaventure? Actually, this is going to be a pretty good matchup. And even though the Bonnies have a really tough defense, I think I'm going to go with LSU. I don't I don't even think that the Bonnies defense is going to be able to slow down that offensive attack from LSU. So I have them advancing. I'm going to go with uh, the Bonnies simply because they beat SLU. Slew beat LSU, therefore. Ah, if so facto. Yeah. Got it. Uh, Colorado and Georgetown. I know Georgetown's hot. I know they won the Big East tournament, but Colorado has had a pretty good year. I'm going to go with Colorado in this one. So I'm taking Georgetown. They are so hot right now. And this is my 5-12 upset that I have. I have Georgetown advancing. How about Florida State taking on UNC Greensboro? I have Florida State advancing. I actually think that they're going to make some noise in this region. All right. BYU will take on the winner of Michigan State-UCLA. This is awesome. This is. And I have Michigan State actually advancing, Randy. It's, I, yep. Yes. I, I'm the same way. You do? Yep. Same I, I was going to say, I have Michigan State winning and then beating BYU in that yep. matchup. Texas and Abilene Christian. I have Texas. I do, too. Connecticut against Maryland. This is an, another really interesting matchup, but I have the Terps advancing here. I think really? their Big Ten pedigree is go- going to uh, come up big here versus UConn. I definitely thought about that in making my decision here, but I did go with UConn. They're pretty playing pretty well down the stretch here, too. And then Alabama against Rick Pitino's Iona Gales. That's going to be an interesting matchup just because of the Rick Pitino factor, mm-hmm. but I have Alabama advancing. They're a really good team. I do, too. All right, so we move on to the next round. And for me, that would be Michigan and St. Bonaventure. For Michelle, that would be Michigan and LSU. Who do you got? Michigan advance. Michigan advances. I've got uh, Colorado. You've got Georgetown against Florida State. And I'm going with Florida State to advance. So am I. Uh, You've got Michigan State. I've got Michigan State against Texas. And I've got Texas winning that game. I have Michigan State actually upsetting Texas here. Yeah, I know. I know. Tom Izzo in the tournament again. I do. Well, so Michigan State, let me pull pull up my notes here, Randy. They've been hot down the stretch, too. They play well. They have. And they 
will have played just one game in the previous 10 days when they tip off for their first game. And while I think normally I would think, oh, maybe that will stop the momentum, they might get stagnant. They had six games in 13 days to close the regular season. And so I think that rest is really going to benefit them. And when you have a coach like Tom Izzo, you know what he can do during the tournament. I think a lot of those things combined, we might see Michigan State go on a little bit of a run here. That's going to be really interesting. And then you've got UConn and Alabama, and I've got Alabama advancing against UConn. You've got Maryland against Alabama. Bama advances. All right, so we move down now to Michigan versus Florida State. We both got that game. I do, Randy, uh, scrolling again for my notes. And this is one of my biggest, if you want to call it, upsets of the entire bracket. Mm. I have Florida State slaying the Wolverines. I have Michigan going down. I think they're they're a vulnerable team. They're a great team, obviously a one seed. But I think Scotty Barnes and Florida State are going to take down Michigan. That's that's a statement there. (laughs) I've got Michigan winning that game. And then in the next one, I am going with Alabama to advance. So am I. I have Alabama over Michigan State. Okay. And then Michigan and Alabama. So we both have the same regional final. No, I have Oh, you Florida, you have Florida State. State, right? I have Florida State, Alabama, and then I have Alabama coming out. And I have Michigan coming out of that region. I just think Alabama they're so relentless. They defend at a really high level. They have a high-powered offense. They shoot a ton of threes. I think if, if in fact, Michigan does go down when I think they will, I think Bama cruises. Yeah. So Okay, so there you have the East region, and we'll give you our next region coming up later in the show in the South region at 9.15. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, our all-time college basketball starting five. And I'll tell you, as a little tease, I'm going old school here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. At this time of year, we always look ahead to the NCAA tournament and the great teams that are going to be playing. But another thing we do is we look back to the greatest teams and players that ever played. And because of that, Michelle and I are going to put together the greatest college basketball starting five ever. We've done Mount Rushmore's, but this is not a Mount Rushmore. This is your greatest (laughs) starting five in college basketball history. And you, you can pick any way you want. You can put together a team any way you want. You can put it by position. You can put your five best players, go any way you want. And Feel free to text in 65780 if you have a group that you would uh, put together and say, okay, I, I would put my group against yours. So, Michelle, who do you got? Okay, Randy. So I did a lot of thinking on this last night, and there are so many ways that you can go about this. I went with guys that not only are great players but had great college careers, guys that I would think of when I think of perhaps a one shining moment video. So I'm going with Grant Hill. I'm going with Chris Weber and I was trying to think about, you could take so many guys from that Fab Five team, but mm-hmm. if I'm going to extract one, I'm going Chris Weber. I'm going J.J. Redick. I'm going Shaq. And then I, of course, am Harriet the Homer, especially right now. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get an Illini in there, so I worked in Darren Williams. Oh, okay. I was Good. trying to think of a way to get Christian Leitner in there, but I'm not taking him over Grant Hill. <laughs> And and I don't know if he no, would get you can't. A, I don't know if he would really get along with everybody else on the squad. That's a problem. No, he wouldn't. He definitely wouldn't get along with the opposition. No. 
And Grant Hill's a really good call. I am going to go with Kareem in the middle. UCLA went 88-2 and two with Kareem, at that time, Lou Alcindor as their center. One of the games against Houston, he was hurt. His mouth was all messed up, and he was maybe 50% of what he could have been. So essentially, the team went 88-1 and one with Lou Alcindor as their center. I am taking two players from the 1979 championship. I'm taking Bird as my small forward and Magic as my point guard. Okay. And by the way, Indiana State entered that tournament undefeated. The first loss was suffered to Michigan State and Magic. My shooting guard is going to be the top scorer in the history of the college game, Pete Maravich. And then I I was going to go with you. Uh, First, I was debating. I said, okay, can I put Hakeem, who did play forward in the NBA, can I put him as my uh, power forward? Can I put him as my number four and then I thought, no, I'll be reasonable about this. And I thought about Chris Weber, but then I decided to go Tim Duncan as my power forward. So he, he's my four. So uh, I've got Magic, Maravich, Kareem in the middle with Duncan as my four and Bird as my three. Neither one of us with Michael Jordan. He wasn't a great college player. And as Bob Knight so famously said, the only coach that could slow down Michael Jordan was Dean Smith, <laughs> who was his own coach. He was throttled by Dean Smith in college. And that's reasonable. We would both put him on our NBA team, right? Oh, yeah, of course. But he just was not allowed to be as great as uh, a college player as he had the capability to be. And it bothered him, by the way, that he wasn't allowed to be turned loose. And he did win a championship, by the way, the 82 final shot. That's right. But he, his prolific nature didn't really arise until he got to the NBA. So we're getting some entries here on the text line 65780. Lou Alcindor, Pistol Pete Maravich, Larry Bill, Bird, Bill Walton, Michael Jordan. So you can't go wrong with that. You you put that up against any five that anybody could ever put together, and you take your chances with that group. Someone from the 314 texted in Tyler Hansborough, and he was... Psycho T. Psycho T was such a pest in college. He was a really good player. Do you think... So when you think about hated players of all time in mm-hmm. college, obviously Christian Leitner's there. I might put Tyler Hansborough on the Mount Rushmore. Yep. He tried too hard for other teams and other other fan bases. People hated him. Grayson Allen, too. Definitely. Well, Grayson Allen was dirty. Everybody hated dirty. Grayson Allen. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, here's one with Leitner, Anthony Davis, who was fantastic as a college player, Carmelo, Zion, and Magic. So you've got Zion one and done, Carmelo one and done, uh, Anthony Davis one and done, and then a couple of players that played four years. I have a really difficult time, even if a guy like Carmelo was one and done and led Syracuse to a national championship, but if they only played one year, I have a real difficult time putting him in the all-time college greats. That's just me. They still played, though. I know, and like Shaq, how can you, uh, you can't take away anything. Well, Shaq was more than a one and done. Yeah, Shaq played. Yeah, he three years, right? Three he years played at through, LSU, through, yeah. Through his junior year. That's right. But yeah, they, they did, and they were great. Hey, put uh, Tatum in that conversation. Tatum, Tatum was awesome. Kyrie, he was hurt for part of his That's right. only year, but man, he was dominant when he played for that year at Duke. All right, we've got a couple of more starting fives. Here's one with Bird, Magic, Steph Curry, Shaq, and Clyde the Glide. Man, can your team shoot? That's right. You have Curry, Bird, and Clyde the Glide, and then Magic passing to him. And You can just use Shaq as a rim protector. He doesn't even need to try to score. I thought about putting Curry on my list, and that was a difficult omission by me. It's really hard to not put Steph Curry on there. Yeah. Uh, Here's another one with... Uh, Lou Alcindor and Shaq together with Magic, Jordan, and Bird. That would have been a pretty darn good 
NBA team for you, too. Magic, Jordan, Bird, Shaq, and Luel Cinder. Heck, you had uh, three guys from the Dream Team. Oh, yeah, for sure. Gosh, there's so many good submissions coming in. Shaq, KD, Iverson, Magic, Larry Johnson. And now you got a couple more one and dones. And KD in his one year at Texas was unbelievable. Awesome. And we were hoping here that Michael Porter Jr. would be what KD was. And we had Mike Kelly on uh, during that Michael Porter season. And Mike said, man, we saw KD in his first game. And he was just different than everybody else. Yeah. And when you have that one and done that's different, when you can see him in his first game and he's different than everybody else, it's really fun to watch. Here's one from the 314 with Patrick Ewing, Christian Laidner, Calbert Chaney, J.J. Redick, and Allen Iverson. Another team that can really shoot, and Iverson as your point guard. And that would be interesting. I would like to see that group. And Calbert Chaney's kind of, kind of an underrated college player. But Ewing, Laidner, Chaney, Redick, and Iverson against my team of Kareem, Duncan, Bird, Magic, and Maravich. Man, what a game that would be. That would be awesome. That would be absolutely awesome. Do you think when you look back, there's there's been a lot of heartbreak for Mizzou and across the board. Is Michael Porter Jr. in the top three there for you? Has to be. Has to be. He's going to be one. That that situation at Mizzou, that one season, will always be one of the biggest what-ifs. Yeah. If you talk about heartbreak at Mizzou, Tyus Edney is like way above everything else. Yeah. Right? Because they could have won that year. UCLA did win the championship, and Mizzou was as good as UCLA was. Porter's definitely in the photograph. The the Norfolk State, the Northern yeah. Iowa losses are... I'm bringing up heartbreak, aren't I? Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. But yeah, Porter is absolutely in the top five because we tend to forget. He not only was regarded as the preseason SEC freshman of the year, he was the preseason SEC player of the yes, year. Absolutely. And him even choosing Mizzou got them a lot of pub mm-hmm. and it brought a lot of conversation to Mizzou and it certainly helped with them recruiting and you know they're a tournament team now Conzo yep. has them trending in a positive direction but if you had him dominate in the in the SEC for a year and he's constantly on Sports Center, and I just imagine what that would have done for Mizzou as a program at nine o'clock we're going to talk to Jeremiah Tillman who is arguably the the best player on a tournament team for Mizzou Jeremiah Tillman probably doesn't go to Mizzou if it's not for Michael Porter Jr. Right. So he did have a, even in that one year, he had a huge impact. Man, I hate talking about, but especially for the people that are really emotionally attached to Mizzou basketball. I'm allowed, not allowed, I'm able to talk about Tyus Edney and not get really mad about it. But I know a lot of people don't like to hear about Tyus Edney because they get mad about it. Yeah. And I don't blame you. I don't blame him either. Yeah. Okay. Uh, friendly wager. Maybe we'll have to put this up on Twitter tomorrow, Michelle. Okay. Uh, from the 636, do you two have a friendly wager between co-hosts on who will have the better bracket? I would be happy to have a friendly wager okay. with you, Randy, because I know that you are not picking the same national champion as I am. No, we are picking different national champions. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to see those, by the way, at 101ESPN.com. Join us in our bracket madness. We're looking forward to it. And you will be able not only to show us how great you are, but you'll be able to uh, participate against us. So what should the wager be? This is something that we got to think about. You know, we're going to, okay, because there's, send us some, some submissions of what the wager should be, 65780. We have a wheel, and the wheel you can use with a uh, dry erase marker, and we can put, what is it, up to 12 things on the wheel? Yeah. 
So why ten, don't, ten things. Ten things on the wheel. So why don't people submit to us some things that they think the wager should be, and we'll put ten of them on the wheel. And whoever loses, Randy, has to spin the wheel. Okay. And pay up. I'm good. We can do that. That'll be fun. Okay. We'll done. have a punishment. And you can sign up to play in this year's Bracket Madness Pick'em Challenge, brought to you by the Sportsbook at Argosy Casino Alton and Bud Light. Fill out your tourney bracket at 101ESPN.com. It's free to enter, and this year's top score will take home a $250 Fanatics gift card. You must be 21 plus and a resident of Missouri or Illinois. The first round starts Friday. You need to get up to sign and play in Bracket Madness now at 101ESPN.com. And, oh, by the way... It's not just Michelle and I, but we've got this VIP list. Here, let me get to it. Uh, a VIP list of people that are going to play here on 101 ESPN. It includes Brad Thompson. It includes Jamie Rivers, Anthony Salter, everybody from the station. I don't know if Danny, uh, em- Emily's there, Alex Ferrario, Michelle, Meet, Anthony Salter, Rivs, BK, uh, Travis, uh, Danny Mac it does have an entry, BT. So everybody from 101 ESPN is going to be there, and you can play against us at 101 ESPN's Bracket Madness. Sign up right now. We love it. Next up on 101 ESPN, oh, we've got the fight, and we've got the reveal of the Ultimate Irishman Bracket Final Four. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on this Wednesday. It is 8.35. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it is time for the fight on this Valentine's Day. Or not Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day. Duh, St. Patrick's Day. But it does look, Emily, like we have a St. Patrick's Day themed fight today, right? That is correct. Okay, well, looking forward to that. Josh is Randy's competition today. Good morning, Josh. How's your St. Patrick's Day, not Valentine's Day going? (laughs) Uh, you know, pretty ho-hum so far. We'll uh, we'll see how it goes after this. All right, cool. Well, let's jump in. Question number one, Josh. What does the yellow sign that Notre Dame fighting Irish football players hit hit before they run out onto the field say? The house that Rockney built? Play like a champion today or go fight win? Oh, I believe it's play like a champion today. Irishman, the notorious Conor McGregor, is 22-5 and five in his UFC career. Who was his first loss to? Was it Nate Diaz, Chad Mendes, or Jose Aldo? Um, pretty sure he destroyed Aldo. I know he lost to Diaz. Um, I'm going to go with Diaz. I don't know if that was his first. But... All right, Josh, who was Mark McGuire's longest home run hit off of in the 1998 season? Was it Randy Johnson, Levon Hernandez, or Tom Glavin? I actually remember the home run, but I do not remember the pitcher. I'm going to take a wild guess and say it was Hernandez. And St. Louis native and former Duke star Jason Tatum was drafted by the Boston Celtics third overall in which NBA draft? Was it 2015, 2016, or 2017? Mm, let's say uh, 
17. Is that your final answer, Josh? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's check the score here. Randy is on his way in. How do you feel after you completed the fight here, Josh? Um, not too awesome. A lot of guessing. <laughs> A lot of guessing. All right, well, you did guess well. I'll tell you that. Randy's getting settled in here. Randy, please. Oh, I don't know what. My headphones. Oh, where, no, I, where so were they? I, I've got my five below headphones, and they were inside my mic muff. I was wondering where they were, and that's where they were. Why were they inside of your mic muff? I put them in there yesterday, and I forgot. And I, so I went to the office to look for them because I'm wearing different five below headphones this morning. Oh. Uh, and so I thought, oh, you know what? I think I put them after we finished recording yesterday. Yes. I think I put them in my, my we have a little thing that goes over the microphone. And I've got these little tiny earbud microphone or headphones. And I put them inside my mic muff. So there they were. There you are. There you go. Yeah. Must be the luck of the Irish, Randy, uh, that you found them today. <laughs> luck of the Irish. Luck of the Irish. Although Jack Flaherty was not too lucky in our 101 ESPN Ultimate Irishman bracket. He was not. Morning. He was not. Randy, please say what's up to Josh. What up, Josh? Hey, Randy. How's it going? Good. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Randy. That sign that the Notre Dame Fighting Irish football players hit before they run out onto the field, what does it say? Okay, so I have a friend. Uh, she used to be in charge of Kurt Warner's foundation. Her name is uh, Marcy Pritz. Mm-hmm. And she went to Notre Dame, and they played Nebraska one time, and they actually changed the sign that said, Play Like Nebraska today. <laughs> that was pretty funny. It says, Play Like a Champion today. Pretty good. Irishman, the notorious Conor McGregor, is 22-5 and five in his UFC career. Who was his first loss to? Um, I'll do the lifeline here since I really have no idea. Sure. <laughs> Your options are Nate Diaz, Chad Mendez, or Jose Aldo. Mendez, Diaz, or Aldo, huh? Yes, those are your options. I think Aldo's fighting now. Hmm, Diaz. I'll, I'll go with Aldo, though. Randy, who was Mark McGuire's longest home run hit off of in the 1998 season? Levon Hernandez. And 545 feet. Bing, band-aid, band-aid around the post-dispatch side. Wow. <laughs> Dead center field. And St. Louis native and former Duke star Jason Tatum was drafted by the Boston Celtics third overall mm-hmm. in which NBA draft? Third overall, and this is like his fifth year? Um, okay, I, I can actually make this work. And the way I can make it work is by going with what Travis Ford's first year was at SLU. I believe Travis in five years. So um, what year was he drafted? So Ford has had 21, 20, 19, 18, 15. So he was hired at the end of 16. And... He was hired because Jim Cruz didn't get Tatum. He got fired. If we would have, if he would have gotten Tatum, we would have kept Cruz, and it would have been a disaster. So Ford is hired at the end of '16. I think that he Tatum came out in '17. So I'm going to say he was drafted by the Celtics in '17. Wow. This was a very, very close fight. Emily, ring the bell. We have a winner and new champion! 
Mortgage Joe Listener. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Randy, you did not have the luck of the Irish today. No. Because Josh beat you four to three. Mm. Four to three. Congratulations, Josh. You got all four correct. So the sign that Thank the, you. the some world class guessing. There well, you said you guessed <laughs> and you did a good job. You did a great job. The sign that Notre Dame, the football players hit before they run onto the field, it does say play like a champion today. Nate Diaz is the first person to beat Connor McGregor in his UFC career. Mark McGuire's longest home run was hit off of Levon Hernandez in the 1998 season. And former uh, Duke star and St. Louis native Jason Tatum was drafted by the Celtics third overall in the 2017 NBA draft. Josh, thanks so much for playing. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, Josh, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Man, that's, that's a tough four to get. That is. Remember that draft, too, Randy, that Tatum was taken behind Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball? And I was at ESPN at the time, and I remember saying to people, I'm like, Jason Tatum needs to go number one overall. He's going to be better than Ball and Fultz. And everyone's like, you're such a homer. You're such... I'm like, yes, I am a homer, but that doesn't mean I'm not correct. That doesn't mean that I'm also <laughs> not correct. And I bet... I bet the Lakers and or Philadelphia wishes they would have taken Tatum with that pick. Well, Philly traded up, too. I know. They had the third pick and traded up to number one to get Markel Fultz. That's still one of the weirdest things, the weirdest stories that I've heard in the past few years, that here's this guy that has all of this talent, all of a sudden can't shoot. Yeah, and he actually wound up signing a big contract with Orlando. I guess they see something, right? But re- remember that, how he was doing all of this stuff, working with all of these yep. experts to try to figure out his shot? Yeah, and just a mess. All right, we have our final four set for our ultimate Irishman bracket. Get back to Twitter and vote right now. You've got Jack Buck against Willie McGee and Ryan O'Reilly against Al McInnes, two blues legends. Jack Buck beating Mike Shannon 70% to 30%. Willie with a comeback to beat Danny Mack 52% to 48 Ryan O'Reilly dominates over Dan Kelly 62 to 38 And Al McInnes over Jim Hannafin 74 to 26. So our ultimate Irishman in St. Louis sports is going to come from among Jack Buck, Willie McGee, Ryan O'Reilly, or Al McInnes. Go to Twitter now, the 101 ESPN page, and vote. Love Al McInnes, but I'm surprised that he advanced over Jim Hannafin. I am too. Because Hanny is the ultimate Irishman. He really is. And by the way, Mike Ryder was telling me during the fight that, and I hadn't realized this either, on the plane flight home from winning the Stanley Cup, with the cup, the picture of Al Mc, or uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Pat Maroon, mm-hmm. O'Reilly is drinking a Guinness. Oh, I did not realize what that. What could be more Irish than that? You know what? That might have just gotten him some more votes. <laughs> it might have. Coming up on 101 ESPN, you're killing me. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. So, Randy, some news coming out of the hockey world this morning. The Buffalo Sabres have fired their head coach, Ralph Kruger, this morning. Now, the Sabres were in the middle of a 12-game losing streak. They had the fewest points in the NHL with 16. They sit at 8th place in the East Division. They're six points behind the Devils, who have two games in hand. The replacement for Ralph Kruger 
whoever it is, will be the Sabres' seventh coach in the last nine seasons. They had Lindy Ruff for 15 years, and then the Pagula family took over, and they have had seven different coaches in nine seasons. And you wondered validly whether or not the Sabres might be the worst organization in sports, and they're right there. The Lions have won one playoff game since 1957, the Detroit Lions. They're really bad. Yeah, Buffalo's on its way to matching the NHL record for missing the playoffs at 10 straight seasons. Unreal. Unreal. So they're right there in the mix. They're just awful. Who else? What other organizations in sports are just on that same level as Buffalo? The Jets? The Jets are there. Haven't been to a Super Bowl in 51 years now. And they've rarely had success even getting to the championship game. The two championship games under Rex Ryan were, were it. You have the Baltimore Orioles, who have been just abysmal mm-hmm. under the ownership of Peter Angelos. They're they're pretty bad, and uh, I think in baseball right now you got to look at the Pirates. Yeah. What about would you throw the Angels in that mix? You have to because they haven't made the postseason despite all the star power that they've brought in. They still aren't a team even despite being in California and in the LA market that has a lot of juice or that people pay attention to. I mean, if they didn't have Mike Trout, we wouldn't even ever be talking about the Angels. But we really do now. In the first five years of the decade, when Albert signed their 12, 13, 14, 15, even 16, for them to waste some decent years from Albert and part of the prime of Mike Trout's career by not getting pitching, that puts them in the mix. And they wasted a good manager in Mike Sosha. It wasn't his fault. They just never went out and spent money on pitching. They spent $125 million on Josh Hamilton. They spent all this money on Rendon. Now they've got Albert. They had Trout. They were spending all this, Andrelton Simmons, spending all this money on position players but never figured out that you win with pitching. Gosh, when you think about Buffalo, Jack Eichel there, obviously missing time with injuries, Skinner and Taylor Hall not living up to expectations. If you think about Ryan O'Reilly, how happy is he that he got out of there? I mean, obviously because he won the cup here, but just the environment and the fact that there are good players and star players there and that they just can't get it done. And that's why they traded him, because he said, hey, this organization has caused me to lose my love for the game. And they thought that was a bad thing, that he didn't like losing. They thought it was his problem. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, not their problem. And now they'll probably wind up having to move Eichel, too, who, who will be difficult to move. He's making nine million a year but he's lived up to all the expectations that people had for him he's a point of game guy or better in the nhl but he'll never succeed there st louis has recently become a refuge for talented players that are stuck in bad organizations ryan o'reilly getting out of buffalo you have nolan arenado who was not happy losing in colorado he comes here any disgruntled star players out there stuck in bad organizations come on in come on we'll help you out go back in history jack clark Ozzy getting traded here because the ownership in San Diego at that time was bad. And when you look at the Blues, they not that they ever won a Stanley Cup, but the Calgary Flames had hit the skids when Al McInnes got traded here. Scott Stevens with Washington was tired of it, and obviously the Blues gave him a lot of money. There are a lot of players over the course of time that wound up in St. Louis and were able to salvage careers and get out of bad situations. The Arizona Coyotes had become a bad situation for Keith Kachuk when he got traded here. We've been pretty lucky getting guys not only that came from bad situations, but many times were perceived as malcontents that wound up being great guys. 
and then they come here. They're beloved by the fan yep. base. They're likely in an organization that's going to have some success. Let's just keep that trend going. Who's a, a guy that's on a terrible team or stuck in a terrible organization that could be disgruntled that we can bring in next? I think that everybody's first thought is Jack Eichel. Come on in, Jack. <laughs> You'll love it here. Ask yeah. Ryan O'Reilly. You'll love it here. Yeah. Nolan Arenado came out of a, out of a pretty bad situation. Gosh. And think about this. He was in spring training for, what, five minutes? And he's saying, we, yeah. this is our my organization. He was so happy to be here. <laughs> Perfect. You're killing me, small. So, Randy, we mentioned earlier in the show, but I think it bears repeating again that Tiger Woods is back home in Florida. He's continuing his recovery. He actually put out a statement on Twitter. He says he's happy to report that I am I am back home and continuing my recovery. I am so grateful for the outpouring of support and encouragement that I have received over the past few weeks. Thank you to the incredible surgeons, doctors, nurses, and staff at Harbor UCLA Medical Center and Cedar sinai Medical Center. You have all taken such great care of me, and I cannot thank you enough. I will be recovering at home and working on getting stronger every day, Tiger. Did you read that uh, in the hospital, and I guess when he starts here, he's going to take acting lessons. And then when he starts, people say, break a leg. Randy! (laughs) You had that one in your back pocket, didn't you? Yep, for a long time. Man. (laughs) Took me off guard. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because you didn't believe the statement or something that it was acting, but break a leg. You got me with break a leg. <laughs> what I pulled out of the statement is that he's going to continue to work on getting stronger every day because I have no doubt that he's already put his nose to the grindstone and he's looking at this as just something else that he can overcome. He absolutely has that Michael Jordan chip on his shoulder, nobody believes I can do it attitude. And I think that's great. And Obviously, this will motivate him. I don't know if he'll be able to overcome this, which also probably will motivate him because a lot of people will say uh, there's no way he'll overcome this. At the very least, it'll be fun to watch him try because he's so competitive. You're killing me, Small. So, Randy, this is an interesting sports-infused story with a local twist. So, the St. Louis Art Museum has acquired a collection of 833 works of contemporary art assembled by Marianne and Ted Simmons. Uh, did oh, fantastic. You, did you know that Ted Simmons was such uh, an art collector? I did not know that, no. 833 works that he and his wife had um, acquired over the years. So, his wife, Marianne, she's an artist as well as a master printer, printer and publisher, and they have been collecting art for many, many years. Ted began collecting during his playing career, focusing on that time on early American furniture. And the St. Louis Art Museum has acquired this collection. So you'll be able to see pieces from Ted Simmons' personal collection at the St. Louis Art Museum soon. We talk to Joey Vitale every week and we talk to Chris Long, both Renaissance men that have myriad interests. And Ted is one of those guys, too. He's, mm-hmm. he's brilliant, and he's got so much curiosity and so many interests. And I'll be interested to go and just see what interests Ted in terms of art. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you it's comprised predominantly of prints, including drawings, collages, photographs, and some sculptures. That's pretty cool. That's, I, I, I can't wait to go see it at the Art Museum. Thank you, Michelle. You got it. That's your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and Mizzou's Center, Jeremiah Tillman, getting ready for the NCAA tournament, will join us here on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. The Missouri Tigers getting ready to take on Oklahoma Saturday night in the NCAA tournament. You'll hear the action here on 101 ESPN and Mizzou Center. East St. Louis native Jeremiah Tillman joins us on Carricker and Smallman. Good morning, sir. Great to have you with us. How you doing? Good morning. How you doing? Everything's going great here in St. Louis. You have to be excited. Yes, sir, I am. It's pretty fun. So, Jeremiah, what's the bubble situation like in Indy? I'm assuming that you guys are there and you're getting settled in, but what is the environment there like? Um, they really pretty much got us on lockdown, making sure everything is safe, um, keeping everybody, like each team on certain floors and um, making sure you're getting COVID tests every day. And if they send you in with time to have practice and stuff like that, but it's been, it's been pretty much like a lockdown and making sure everybody stays safe. And so what are you and your teammates doing to pass the time? If you guys are on do much? Uh, most of us brought our video games, so <laughs> that way we can still uh, interact with each other. That way we, we ain't got to keep leaving our rooms to uh, try to try to be with each other. Jeremiah, you guys played in the tournament in 2018. Obviously, this is a completely different yes. team. But can you apply anything <laughs> that happened that year to this year? Does that experience benefit you as you get ready to play Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, my freshman year, we came in and played. I got a chance to, like, uh, play a game in the NCAA and experience, like, how different it is playing just, like, the SEC tournament. So I have some experience under my belt, and this is my last year. So um, I feel like we're going in with, a, with, with level heads and just making sure we're trying to do everything we can for these couple of days that we're resting to be prepared for this game on Saturday. Can you describe for us what the difference is between the, for example, the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament? Um, the SEC tournament is just like, of course, just all of our, our conference and everybody that we already know and played against a couple of times. But the, the NCAA, you never know who you might play against. And they're not in your conference, so you got to do a little more film, a little more studying on the players ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So, Jeremiah, this matchup versus Oklahoma is going to be a tough one for you guys, but what are you looking at as some of the keys that you need to execute in order to win the game? Um, they got two great players uh, that like to shoot the ball, so I feel like we just got to lock down on key assignments and just making sure when we watch a film, uh, just, bring, just bringing it over to the game and bringing practice over to the game so we can be locked in. I always thought, Jeremiah, that if you were on your game personally, that with your size and your strength, that there was really nobody that can stop you. And if you are playing defense as a rim protector, you can do the same thing. I would imagine that when you get into a game and you're feeling it, you feel that way too. Um, yes, sir. I'm not just to say it like in a humble way. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, whenever I'm feeling great and like just out out there on the court playing with great energy, I feel like it feeds off to my uh, my teammates and we just all just feed off each other. So when the game when we out there in the game and like you just said, whenever I'm out there trying to block shots and just playing with high high intensity, it just leads over to all my other teammates and it just get them going. Jeremiah, you've had a lot of success this season. What do you think has been the difference? Is it as simple as saying that you're finally healthy and not dealing with any injuries? Um, that, that, that play a part in it, but I mean, honestly, just like I always say, every time somebody acts, I just calm down on the court and stop worrying about and being frustrated about everything and just letting the game come to me. That's been a main, the main biggest thing for me. 
just letting the game come to me instead of like going out there and just forcing, trying to put up 30 points, something like that. Just letting the game just come to me instead of being frustrated about calls and everything else. One of the cool things about this Mizzou team, Jeremiah, is that you have a lot of different ways to win. Like we talked about with the inside game, you can win with you, but you have plenty of guys, Smith, Pinson, that can hit from the outside and score. And the big thing, and Coach Martin is always going to preach this, is that you guys play defense. Yes, sir. Um, I mean, that's our biggest thing, uh, defense. And when we play it up against other teams, they know it's going to be like a, a, a dog fight. It's not going to be easy. Um, and like you said, if, if things not working in the post, we got guards that can knock knock shots down with hands in their face and just easy. So um, I feel like it worked both ways. If if I'm not getting double teamed, then, of course, I'm going to try to go get the basket, even if I am. But if I see an opening, I can just easily kick it out to one of the guards, and I feel like it's a 9 out of 10 chance that they're going to make the shot. <clears throat> What was it like for you in adapting to Conzo's style? And I know you're really committed to defense now. Coming out of high school, was that the case? Did you have to learn how to provide great effort defensively? Um, not Honestly, not really because of the coaches that I had in the previous um, were defensive coaches as well. So I had kind of got a feel for how defensive coaches um, run their practices and how they – the little, the little small things as far as like just playing defense, how they want you to be on your line and helping over and stuff like that. I had already had a feel for it, but when I got to college, of course, I learned more. Jeremiah, I know that you have a game that you're focused on, hopefully a few more games that you need to focus on. But after you have hopefully. seen – Hopefully. <laughs> exactly. We're cheering for you. But after you have a senior night, I'm sure you've spent some time reflecting on your time in Columbia and your career as a Tiger. And when you do look back over your basketball career, what's one thing that you're really proud of? Um, I'm proud that I just stayed with it instead of, <clears throat> you know, coming, at, coming out of high school, you hear uh, um, a lot of stuff about just – going to the NBA and stuff like that. So coming out of high school, I thought I was going to be like a one-and-done player. And um, after that happened, I was, you know what I'm saying, I didn't I didn't leave in my class and stuff like that. And I didn't want to put my head down. I just wanted to keep pushing forward and just make my, my family proud and be able to get like a degree and say that I was one of the kids in the family to go to college. So, I mean, that was the biggest thing for me. I felt like that was a milestone in my family for me just to go to college. So, me getting this degree would be like history in the family. So, I mean, that played a bigger part than just basketball. Jeremiah Tillman, Missouri Center with us on 101 ESPN. It's kind of been a strange stretch run for you guys, losing seven of your last ten, and obviously you missed some of that time. How do you feel about where your team is heading into the tournament? Well, I feel pretty good. Um, I feel like we got our, our heads on the shoulders and we, we bouncing back and we making sure when we have practice. He's locked in, 100 complete focus, 100% complete focus. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And it'll be fun to play Oklahoma, an old Big 12, and back in the day before you were born, a Big 8 rival. It'll it'll be fun to see them. Oh, uh, yeah, it should be a pretty good game. I remember we played them last year. And so it's, it's another another match for us. Jeremiah, what's – Again? I was just gonna say, what's your what's Conzo Martin? What's your coach's message to the team heading into this game? Um, honestly, just finishing, finishing strong. Um, go out there and play, 
Like, just don't don't go out there and just just play basketball. I mean, it's like a different level. Of course, the SEC was big for us, but like, just win and go home. If we if we have another feeling like how we felt after we played lost in the SEC, and that's the last game. Like, we don't want to have that feeling no more. He just kept reminding us, like, remember that feeling because next time you feel that, then you're done. So it's just stuff like that, just keeping us motivated and keeping us ready to go hard and a chip on our shoulder at all times. And that's something that a lot of people are able to do naturally. Do you have to find ways to put a chip on your shoulder? No, not at all. I mean, I feel like it's, like you said, it's naturally a thing just before the game. You just got to know who you're playing for and what you're playing for, and that should that should have a chip on your shoulder. All right, Jeremiah, if you guys are all playing video games in your room, who's the best gamer on the team? Um, Probably... Park or Drew, one of those two. <laughs> and where do you stack up in the mix? No, nah, I'm at the bottom of the list. I just started playing. <laughs> Trust me. I am at the bottom of the list when it comes to the video game. <laughs> A couple more things for Mizzou Center. Jeremiah Tillman, the East St. Louis native, joining us on 101 ESPN. And you and Mark Smith both originally committed to Illinois before going to Mizzou. Do you, and Michelle, by the way, uh, we're, we're going to uh, provide you with some information here, full disclosure. <laughs> She's an Illini grad, but do you keep an eye on them? Uh, and, nice. and Are you a college, uh, aside from Mizzou, are you a college basketball fan that has watched what they've done this year? Honestly, no. Uh... With, with all the respect, no. I mean, I haven't been watching them. Like, I see, like, what's going on and stuff, but I'm, like, not actually, like, watching them because I'm from the hometown. I really don't be paying attention uh, to the teams unless we, we got a chance of playing them. I play, I watch those teams, but if we ain't got a chance of playing them, then nine times out of ten, I'm not going to really study them, but I'll probably watch the game mm-hmm. stuff like that. Do you like this time of year? Obviously, when you're playing, you like this time of year, but are you an NCAA tournament fan? Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Those, these, this is the time where, like, when I was a kid, I probably wouldn't watch the, the regular season, but I was definitely watching the tournaments. <laughs> I was definitely watching the tournaments. Well, th- this one will be great. And the fact that we're just playing is great. That's the last thing I want to touch on. A year ago, we start all this COVID stuff. What's this season been like for you with all the protocols and like you're in a bubble right now? What's this been like for a college basketball player? Um. I had, I really, it's been smooth for me, honestly, because I had caught COVID at a early stage and I didn't have to get tested for a while. So it was like, I had caught it before the season even started. So when the season started, I didn't have to get tested for a while. And I was like in a little bubble with a COVID bubble for like two months, I guess. But other than that, everything been, it's been okay as far as just like playing games. Of course, the atmosphere is totally different. We don't have as many fans, but I mean, you can hear your family in the stands now for the first time. But, I mean, it feels like you like at a practice but at the game at the same time instead of, like, actually being out there like last year where you making a, a layup and the crowd just going crazy for three possessions. So that's a different atmosphere. Yeah. Is your family going to be able to make it over there to Indy for this? Um, Yeah, I got a, a couple of my family members coming. Well, that's Not great. All. You know what? It's you're a veteran in terms of college basketball, but you're still a young guy. Take it from an old guy. These are the moments you have to savor. Look up in the stands, see your family there. Hey, it's it's going to be your last run as a college basketball player. So enjoy it. 
I got you. I got you. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, we appreciate your time, Jeremiah. Good luck. Have a great run in the NCAA tournament, and hopefully as you guys make it to the Elite Eight, the Final Four, we'll be able to catch up again. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, sir. That's Jeremiah Tillman, Mizzou's senior center on 101 ESPN. That was so interesting to hear about what they're doing in the bubble out there because they can't really interact with one another. I was reading that each of them have their own separate rooms. So Mm -hmm. it's really smart that Mizzou and other teams are bringing games and finding ways to stay interacted and and interactive and engaged with their teammates. And I love the the story about how I thought I was going to be one and done and go to the NBA, but then embraced school and embraced being the first person, not the first person, but one of the first people from his family to graduate from college. That's pretty cool that he's taken advantage of this opportunity. Incredible story because as proud as he is about his basketball accomplishments, the fact that he is a student athlete and wanted to walk away with that diploma, kudos to him. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we're going to reveal our final two for the ultimate Irishman bracket. This will be the championship. Plus, Michelle and I are going to tell you about our South Region picks in the NCAA tournament. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Happy St. Patrick's Day. Michelle has her Notre Dame jacket, the Fighting Irish. That's right. It's a Notre Dame rain jacket. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Emily is dressed up in her St. Patty's Day gear. I've got my uh, Cardinal Shamrock cap and an Ireland sweatshirt. And it's our ultimate Irishman bracket on 101 ESPN. Go to the Twitter page. And this is our last Twitter polls of the day. This is the championship, Michelle. And we have had quite... A tournament here. A tournament, as they call it. A tournament. Yes, we have. uh, Let's get the latest for you. Let me uh, just bring it up here because we want you to know that the finals are here for you. And here's the way things have broken down for us. The championship is going to be Jack Buck versus Ryan O'Reilly. In the final four, Jack Buck, this is unbelievable. We were talking during the break. Jack has been gone for 19 years this summer. Jack Buck gets 80% of the vote against Willie McGee, who gets 20. And Ryan O'Reilly, the first guy to ever win the Conn Smythe Trophy for your St. Louis Blues, he knocks off Al McKinnis 58% to 42%. Jack Buck and Ryan O'Reilly are our two finalists for the ultimate Irishman here in St. Louis sports. Now, this is an incredibly difficult choice for myself and I'm sure most of our listeners to make because... I know that Jack Buck is the voice of my childhood. Mm -hmm. I can close my eyes and hear him talking, and I can feel myself out on our back deck, my dad grilling up some pork steaks, likely drinking a Bud Light, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sitting out in the sunshine, or picking me up from practice, and Jack's voice is coming through on KMLX listening to Cardinal Baseball. That is so many people's connection to Cardinal Baseball and their families here in St. Louis. But then he's going against the missing piece of the puzzle that brought me perhaps the greatest sports moment of my life in the Blues winning the Stanley Cup championship and and now the captain of the Blues, a great member of the organization and Ryan O'Reilly. So that's a difficult difficult choice. It really is. And it's Past versus present, it's it's pretty cool in that regard, too. So you can vote right now. Go to 101 ESPN's Twitter page and vote Jack Buck versus Ryan O'Reilly for the ultimate Irishman here in St. Louis. All right, Michelle, let's get our South region taken care of in the NCAA tournament. Let's and do it. we're going to start with Baylor versus Hartford. 
Even though Hartford has it, Randy, I'm going with the Bears. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the Bears, too. That's a shady comment from me because when I lived in Hartford, there's signs all over the city that says Hartford, Hartford has, has it. it. Yeah. And I was like, has what? Yeah. Has what? What do you guys have? I'll do respect to a hawk. A hawk does not beat a bear. No, absolutely not. No. Uh, you've got Roy Williams. Um, you know, I think Roy Williams is one of those people that you see now and then. You say, okay, he might be an okay guy. I think Roy Williams might be a bad, really bad guy. So I clearly hate North Carolina. Yeah. I hate North Carolina with a fiery passion. And when, when I worked at ESPN, we went on a college basketball tour, and we went to UNC for UNC Duke. And Roy Williams could not have been nicer. He was so cool to us. He let us come to practice. He set it up so we could shoot around afterwards. He told us to go to Sutton's for burgers and shakes. Just came over, chatted with us the entire time, made sure that we were having a great experience. And that really bothered me because I wanted to hate him so badly. I wanted to hate him. I wanted him to be a jerk. I wanted to leave there and say, yeah, that's right. I knew it, but he was really nice. But he is so openly a jerk so often. That's why I, I say it, because I'm like you. My personal experience with him has been very positive. But then I, I see and read about some of the things that he does. And I think well, maybe he's just a phony. Maybe. But I'm taking Wisconsin to beat North Carolina in the first round. <sighs> this one was tough for me because I love Wisconsin. And I obviously think the Big Ten is the best conference in college basketball this season. And I wanted to take Wisconsin to advance. But UNC has shown signs that they're getting it put together, mm-hmm. and I'm picking them to beat Wisconsin. All right. Uh, in the next part of the region, we've got Villanova, the five seed against Winthrop, the 12 seed. Don't overlook Winthrop. 23-1. and one. I actually have them. This is another 12-5 upset that I have. I have them I beating too. Villanova. Okay, good. Yeah, and Villanova's lost one of their best players. John Gassaway was saying yesterday, that's one to take a look at. So I did, and I took Winthrop. Purdue from the Big Ten against the mean green of North Texas. I have Purdue advancing. I do, too. Yeah, me too. Texas Tech against Utah State, a 6-11 matchup. Texas Tech. I'm going with Utah State in that one. Wow, okay. All right. Uh, Arkansas against Colgate. Razorbacks moving on. Yes, no doubt. Well, there is some doubt, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Florida against Virginia Tech. I have Florida moving on. Do, 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 do. Go, Gators. And Ohio State, the number two seed against Oral Roberts. Buckeyes move on. Yeah, I'm with you there. So... I have Baylor and Wisconsin. You have Baylor and North Carolina. And I actually have North Carolina with the upset of the Baylor Bears. I know. I know. Here's the thing. I looked at this bracket and just like most brackets, but particularly this year, you want to go chalk. You look Mm -hmm. at the way this is set up and you want to pick a Baylor or a Michigan or a Gonzaga to advance. That doesn't happen. And it, it rarely happens that not one of those number one seeds is going to get upset in some way. And North Carolina has a great front court and Baylor's been pretty vulnerable, or at least I think they have been since that 21 day COVID pause in late February. And I don't wonder if this is North Carolina's shocking moment where they upset the Baylor Bears. I've got Baylor advancing. And I, I think from a talent standpoint, just from length, size, speed, I think Baylor's the most impressive team that the most impressive looking team that I have seen. So I've got them advancing over Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, Winthrop and Purdue. I have Purdue. I do too. Uh, Utah State for me, Texas Tech for you against Arkansas. I have Arkansas advancing. I have Arkansas going on too. And then Florida against Ohio State. 
Ohio State for me. And I have Ohio State. So we move to the regional semifinal. And you've got North Carolina and Purdue? I do, and I have Purdue advancing. And I have Purdue uh, falling to Baylor in that game. And then I have Arkansas and Ohio State. Do we both have Arkansas and Ohio State? We do, yes. Uh, And I've got Ohio State moving on there, too. Same. So then we move to the regional final, and it's Ohio State against Baylor. Ohio State, Purdue for me, and or, I have yeah. I have Ohio State advancing. Obviously, we got a yeah. good look at them in the Big Ten championship game. Ohio State is a tough team. EJ Liddell, shout out Belleville. And I think that they are going to come out of the South region, Randy. And I have the Baylor Bears advancing. So uh, if you look at my bracket, and you can do so at 101ESPN.com, uh, there is kind of a trend here. Michelle and I have looked at three different brackets so far, and I have the number one seed coming out of each. And I don't have any other one seed coming out so far, except for the Midwest region, which I definitely think a number one seed is going to come out of that one. I think that one's predictable. Which, now that I'm looking at this, because I went region by region, rather than taking a meta view of this, I did more of a micro view. And now that I'm looking, I have Iowa, Ohio State, Alabama, and then obviously I'm going to pick Illinois coming out of the Midwest. I'm wondering if I might change something and have another number one seed advancing, but I don't know. Once it's locked in, you can't change it. Well, you do have more than one bracket, don't you? I'm going to only have one this year, though. Okay. Normally, I pick one with my head and one with my heart, and it's nice that I can pick with my head and my heart this year. And we can pick up to five on our 101 ESPN Bracket Madness. So get involved in that. you got to play against us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Log on 101ESPN.com right now. Randy and I are going to have opposing, or differing, I should say, national champions. Yes, we are. And we are going to have some sort of a wager that whoever has the better bracket, the loser, has to pay up. So 65780 if you have any suggestions on what the bet should be. And we've had some really good suggestions already. We had some that are good in theory, but that I definitely don't want to do if I'm the loser. Like which one is the one that you hate the most? I don't want to say it because then... (laughs) It's going to wind up on the wheel. It it will wind up on the wheel. So for me, I'm a terrible singer. Terrible. I have a terrible voice, as I'm sure you can tell by listening to me speak. And one of them was whoever loses has to sing the fight song of the team that they lose to, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to sing on the radio. Now, when I was producing the Fastlane, I remember we had BT sing mm-hmm. uh, I Touch Myself to yep. Vinyls, and he did a great job. BT can get up there and sing. He, had, he can. He had great vocal range. He had the presence needed. It was funny, but it was also not that bad. That will not be the case for me, Randy. It will be like Cameron Diaz and my best friend's wedding. It will be horrific. <laughs> so I don't want to have to do that. So I just need Illinois to win the whole thing so that I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to be a part of any of that this from the 636 and it's a valid question how do you build a friendly wager with a dude that would have seemingly ate more dog treats last wager yeah that's true your your our delineation line is different you're willing to go far deeper as far as a bet's concerned than i am Here's you got a tattoo randy you got I, a tattoo yeah i did uh, Randy must wear a Red Wing jersey for a week. Michelle has to wear an L.A. Rams jersey for a week. Oh, that is far worse for me. Wouldn't you rather wear a Red Wings jersey, even though it's a wheel with a wing, uh, as opposed to a Rams jersey, Randy? Yep. Yep. But it's it's the bet. that I didn't come up with it. Our valued listeners did. So we have to My skin, adhere to their wishes. My skin is crawling thinking of that, putting on that jersey. Where would we even get a Rams jersey? I don't want to buy one. Uh, we can find one. Ugh.
Uh, you know, one time when the Rams were still here, they, they brought jerseys to the various shows yeah. to hang in our offices. And I believe Bernie and I got a Mike Sims Walker jersey. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, really? Okay. They gave me a uh, personalized character 101 jersey. It's pretty cool. We yeah. got Mike Sims Walker. But you know what? That was Lisa Boaz. Uh, yeah, Lisa's the best. Yeah, so she helped us out. Uh, and she, so she did that. That It was the nice people, the St. Louis people that worked for the Rams. Very that cool. were taking care of us. Uh, loser has to give up caffeine for one month. Okay, I've done that. I did 75 hard, and it is really difficult. I'm trying to cut coffee out now. We're already back on the wagon. It's, it's a <laughs> like true it. addiction for yeah. me. True. And a couple of other quick ones uh, from the 314, and we'd have to come up with uh, a, a, an item for you. But this says, if Randy loses, he has to run the next half marathon with Michelle. Oh, done. Well, it's a punishment for me to have to run a half marathon, okay. too, but you should do that. And then here's one from the 618. We'd have to get this made up. But the loser would have to wear an I love Stan Kroenke t-shirt all day long. Oh. I I heart Stan Kroenke. Would you do that? If I lost. Okay. If it's if it's on the wheel and I lose, I'll I'll do whatever the uh our, our valued listeners want me to do. I'm I, hey, I serve at their pleasure. Okay, well, put it on the wheel then because I would pay to see you wear that shirt. And I would pay to see you wear it. Who do you think would hate to wear it more, you, you or I? I think you would. I think I would, too. <laughs> I will hate For a whole day. So even after the show is and over? you can't put a coat over it. No, oh. you, when you go to a store, you have to display it. But I heart Stan Kroenke. What if I, someone tries to beat me up in the parking lot then? It happens. It happens. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Wow. Coming up, we're going to visit with our friend David Perron of the Blues. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. He gets the job done on the ice every night. Joins Carriker and Smallman right now. Harani scores on 101 ESPN. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And it's time to visit with David Perron, who joins us weekly here with the show. And he's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. David, good morning. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How about you? Everything's good. You had the game that was uh, called off the other night because L.A. couldn't get to L.A. from Denver. What's it like for you? I, I'm sure that you mentally prepare for a game, and I know you guys were aware of it almost 24 hours in advance, but what was it like that day when you thought you were going to have a game and then found out you weren't going to? Yeah, it's been a little bit of a crazy time. Uh, just Obviously, we know about COVID, all that stuff. We always... Um, cross our fingers that nothing will happen, cases wise, all that stuff, and then you come to find out on the on the flight over that uh, LA will possibly uh, be stuck in Colorado. So now you're wondering, like, are they going to fly in the morning? What's going to happen? Uh, next thing you know, the game's canceled. So yeah, it's disappointing. Like we're out here to to get it going, get our road trip going. We've been on the road enough in the last little while, so we weren't really looking for our extra days here. And on top of that, we can't do anything really. So um, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, we just gotta. Uh, we've we've had a good practice yesterday. We'll have another one today, and we'll go from there. 
David, you're leading the team right now with 29 points. You're also tied for first on the team with 18 assists. Is there anything different that you have been doing this season that's allowing you to see this type of success? Uh, I, I honestly, yeah, I just don't try to think about that stuff. And uh, I just try and go out there, be consistent, make, keep making plays that will result in scoring chance or uh, putting the team in a better spot uh, offensively, defensively. And, yeah, like the last several seasons, it seems like it's been uh, working pretty good that way. Um, and I, I just trying to, again, I, I brought it up before I tried to run with it. I tried to not even think about the stats and all that stuff. I just want to keep playing well. And, uh, yeah, it's nice when the results come. In, in watching, David, it seems like you're a pretty easy guy to play with for other people. Is it easy for you to develop chemistry with other line mates? I mean, I, I think as I got older, um, what you're trying to say is I, I just simplified a lot of things. Uh, that when you're predictable, like obviously to your teammates, it means a lot. It means that they're able to skate onto pucks. They know what to expect out of me. They know that. Hopefully, I won't be turning the puck over uh, at the wrong time. And uh, yeah, like turnovers are still going to happen. But the more predictable you are to each other, uh, with the game being so fast, I think it's it's a key. And uh, obviously, Ryan and I have, have done this for a better part of three years. Now we want to keep that going. David, it's a halfway point of the season, which is hard to believe. But what's one thing that you've learned about your team to this point, and one thing you want to carry with you into the next half of the season? Um. Well. We haven't been satisfied with our offensive game recently. Uh, we we know we can tighten things up. I, I know Chief talked about it in the media. Um, we watched a lot of video on that. So yeah, I think that those are things that we can definitely clean up. I think it's going to help our success. We had a we had a good road trip. Uh, now we lost four in a row, and three of them have been overtime. So it's not the end of the world just yet. But we want to gather points. We we want to solidify our spot in the playoff picture and. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of good things also that we learned. Like I think um, a guy like Carver's played some good hockey. Uh, we, we got Vladdy back. I think our depth is going to really start to make a difference as guys keep coming back from injury. It seems like Bozy's going to come back next game, possibly Schwartzy. So that would be a key addition for us. David, when we're watching the game on TV and the Blues are playing well, what should we see? What what should be we be seeing when you guys are on your game? Yeah, just wave after wave. Like, uh, I mean, it, for us, like we, it, it's not really how it looks for people. It's how we feel too through the game, and uh, it's wave after wave. Uh, line, good line changes, putting guys in good situations to go on the ice and and keep that offense going, keep that pressure going on the other team. Um, we do have some speed in the lineup. With, with Again, with Cairo adding that, uh, Robert Thomas when he plays guys like that. But I still think our identity is to play heavy, play down low, hang on to the puck, uh, make teams defend. And when you play a team like Vegas, that's very good in transition and neutral zone, middle part of the ice. Uh, it's, it's a key that we have to be really good down low and, Clearly, we didn't do that enough in those two games. Um, I'm not sure exactly why. Obviously, we talked about many, many scenarios. And, uh, yeah, so I, I just think we got to get back to that a little bit more. I think one thing that is reality, and uh, Chief talked about not everybody pulling on the rope the, the same way. And it's not an excuse, but the fact of the matter is, when you're playing a physical sport like you guys are playing, as often as you're playing it, it's got to be hard to be engaged every single night. Yeah, like, again, and, and then there's injuries, and then there's the schedule, and then there's the travel this year with being in the West. 
we're probably one of the teams in the league that travels the most this year. Uh, yeah, like again, like we we lose a game that we were supposed to play, and now all of a sudden we're gonna have to come back. It seems like at the end of the year and play that. So uh, <laughs> there's one more flight for no reason, but. Uh, we're uh, we signed up for it, I guess, and uh, at the same time, we're not complaining. No one uh, around the league feels sorry for us about having injuries. Um, the positive that it could turn out to be is if we find our game at the right time with the guys in the lineup when they come back. I mean, we could really build momentum. We could really take strides, uh, take that energy in the right direction, and hopefully build a, a nice little run. So we'll see where it's going to go, but uh, definitely that's what we're looking at. David, we actually had this conversation with our listeners on the show earlier this week about new teams, the West Division, new guys that St. Louis fans dislike. There's always the Blackhawks or the Red Wings back from when Randy really disliked the Red Wings. But there's always teams or players that St. Louis Blues fans are going to dislike or not want to play. Is there any team in this division that you guys dislike or that you dislike playing more than another? Well, I, I think I think Vegas is definitely a team that's, positioned themselves in in having some success in the regular season obviously so far and obviously the first year when I was there we went to cup final so they're looking to keep getting better Uh, they're a team that's tough to play against and uh, they got guys that's trying to stare it up over there so yeah like I think guys want to get up for that game and uh, it's probably slowly building like a a rivalry and who knows like right now we're started to play them in the playoffs if it were to start uh, tomorrow so um, we have to, to make sure that the games that we play against them, we get two points, we get some of our team game going, which we didn't do enough, I think, in those two games, and uh, that's something we looked at. David, when I go home many times at night, Bravo will be on TV, and one of those Real Housewives programs <laughs> will be on. Your wife did Hockey Wives. What was that like, and did you have cameras around all the time? <laughs> there were some, and I didn't like it, and it was I was... Not really on board with that, to be honest with you. Um, and that's why probably it stayed there <laughs> and then goes much further. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, we have enough attention and, and cameras and social media, all that stuff around us that um, she, it was an experience that her friend, uh, Catherine uh, Crystal Tang's wife, was doing in Pittsburgh. And they kind of talked about it. She was already doing it. And she's like, well, if we're going to have to go to some places at times, like we'll kind of like, there'll be some trips together at least like, I don't know. It's a good bounding. I guess for them. So I was like, all right, like let's try it. See how it goes. And um, yeah. So it was, uh, it was a learning experience. It was fine, but I don't think it's something that I'm, I'd be looking to do in the future necessarily. Like just, I, I really value my private privacy, my private life, uh, being able to, to, to kind of do normal people's thing and, and really not no one knowing about it. So, um, and again, like we, we have enough, uh, stuff around us, uh, that, that kind of is public. So, uh, whatever we can keep more private, I, I kind of feel that way about it. And as you watch a show like that, was it reality TV or was it basically a show? Uh, probably a little bit of both. Like, yeah, there's, uh, there were some situations where, uh, and it's already like four or five years ago, but mm-hmm. there were some situations where they were trying to like. Like we were, we had something set up throughout the day, but it was kind of like the conversation might have happened already. And they're like, well, uh, let's try and like kind of develop on that subject a little bit more if you can. And I'm like, well, in my head, I'm like, well, this is kind of, 
this is kind of why I didn't want to do it. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I think that she, I honestly think that she realized it too. Uh, and we didn't really talk about it too much. It, it honestly just naturally worked itself out. And, uh, um, yeah, like we didn't really have to even bring it up again. And it's funny, you know, like maybe not to bring it up again, see, see what she says. I, I don't think that she, uh, I, I mean, it wasn't like a, a bad experience. It's just she didn't think it was going to be the way it was kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I actually don't even know fully, but that's kind of my sense I got from it. Was it weird to watch yourself back? Because I'm sure you're used to watching film and watching your performance as a hockey player. <laughs> you didn't watch it at all? I haven't watched it once. Oh, wow. Not once. Yeah, That's no. a good move. Yeah, good play. <laughs> no, good play. Just, uh, again, like, uh, we have, we have like, so much things that, yeah, like, I'm not saying I won't watch it down the road. Maybe maybe to our kids, like, when, we're, when they're a little bit older, just to see what it was like, I guess, uh, back then. But, uh, yeah, like, it's even, like, older games or other things that I've done other things back home for TV in, in, in Canada and in French uh, in Quebec. So um, I don't really look back on that stuff yet. So I don't know if that's something I'll pick up later, but I haven't watched it yet. Hey, David, one last thing from me, because we look at schedules. We're looking at April already here in the media. Do you guys look ahead to what the schedule is going to be like next month? Or are you just so zoned in on one game at a time that next month doesn't matter? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I think uh, as we see the game starting to go down, like we're at 28, so uh, halfway. Um, next thing you know, we'll be at, I don't know, like 34, 35, 36 after this road trip plus the next two games at home. And, yeah, like slowly you start looking like, all right, when obviously games are getting more important on top of that, but just like you're starting to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. You still go game by game, day by day, and try and gain points every night, but um, yeah, so that's kind of my philosophy on that. Well, we always appreciate talking to you. Thank you very much, and we'll do it again next week. Yeah, sounds good. Talk to you next week. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. David Braun with us on 101 ESPN Blues and Kings tonight. By the way, the broadcast will emanate from O.B. Clark's on Brentwood. Curbs and Joey will be there. Uh, starting with the broadcast at 9 o'clock. It'll be great. One of the great hockey bars in the world, Randy. Maybe the best. Maybe. Coming up next, as we head down the stretch, we want you to vote in the Ultimate Irishman bracket. Just go to Twitter and to the 101 ESPN page on Twitter. Vote for Jack Buck or Ryan O'Reilly. That is the championship round. Coming up, a gentleman who made it to the Elite Eight on 101 (laughs) ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hey, I sent out an envelope with a 101 ESPN t-shirt and an autographed photo and a 101 ESPN bumper sticker to Scott Walther. Scott was one of the random followers on the Insta that uh, has me trying to catch up with my dog. I'm 228 followers behind my dog. We don't give the dog's name anymore no, on we the don't. show. But uh, I'm still working at it. And very I'm, mature of you. Between <laughs> now and the time that I do surpass... Darby Shaw, I am going to oh. give away another T-shirt and autograph photo, and then we're going to have a big celebration. And the person that actually allows me to eclipse the dog in terms of followers on Instagram, because that's my goal in life, is to have more followers than my dog does. Uh, that person that surpa- helps me surpass the uh, the dog will get the T-shirt 
and autograph photo and bumper sticker combo as well. Dan that McLaughlin is, is here in studio. Well, Randy, you got to tell him how to follow you. If you're oh, yeah, do follow me at RJ Carricker on the Insta. RJ Carricker on Instagram. Great content every day. Yeah. Uh, today I had a picture of uh, the green eggs that I had for breakfast. It was delicious and quite visually pleasing. And by the way, follow Michelle as well, at M. Smallman. And Dan, too. That's and, oh, thank you, Michelle. Yeah. I, I think I saw your picture had uh, ketchup on those. Did it not? No, it did not. Oh. No, it was green eggs and what, you uh, had a something. green pancake. Oh. Yeah, it was your unique uh, breakfast. It was great. Oh, well, Tasted good. That's terrific awesome. and visually pleasing. Want to make hey. sure that you're uh, healthy and ready to go for the show. Ready to go. Congratulations on the run that you gave Willie McGee in the Ultimate Irishman bracket today. By the way, you can still vote at 101ESPN.com's Twitter page. But, uh, Danny, you were ahead of Willie until the very last moment, and then he wound up edging you 52% to 48. I would not have even voted me for the first round <laughs> against McCarver. You were a five seed, and Timmy was a, a, a 12 seed, and you did pull away late to win that one. Timmy should have beaten me. No. I would have voted for Timmy. Okay. That's fine. Willie McGee. I mean, how could I lose to him? As I can see him right now saying that. <laughs> and and then we... he has the scarf going exactly. for him, too. Exactly. Yeah. And right now, Jack Buck and Ryan O'Reilly going at it for the championship. I can tell you who's going to win. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be Jack Buck. See if we have it. I think that's a safe limb to be out on. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think we're I don't even know why you did that whole thing, because Jack Buck it's is... St. The... Patty's Day. Well, I know that, but I mean... You know who's going to win. Yeah, you know the outcome already. Right. It's already determined. It's a done deal. It's Jack. One minute left, and this is close. What's really? closer than I thought? What is it? Uh, 58.2 to 41.8 for wow. Jack Buck. Yeah. So. I, I'm, I'm going to, I would have bet the house that uh, with promo code WXOS that it would have been <laughs> Jack Buck. It is interesting, though. I was telling Michelle, now 19 years that we've been without Jack Buck. So there is a generation that didn't grow up listening to him or doesn't have memories of Jack Buck to realize that he's yeah. still that iconic in our town. Says a lot for what he did over the 50 years he was here. Just, he touched so many people. I yep. mean, you know, you think about the generations of families and then those stories are passed on at get-togethers and birthdays and holidays and golf tournaments and it's, it reverberates today. I mean, we, we visited with Matty Moe last week and I, I uh, for my show on Channel 2 at 1030 this Sunday, nice promo, I was putting together the Matty Moe television interview and I was thinking about Daryl Kyle. We were putting it together last night and um, it, it I just can't believe it's been that long That's since amazing. we lost Daryl Kyle and, um, and, and still his impact with the club and how it's felt today with even guys like Adam Wainwright that, that have the... What was established by that group of players? And by the way, I, I was doing a lot of research on the Cardinals Hall of Fame. I am, am going to vote on another tournament here, if you want to call it a tournament. Keith Hernandez would get my vote. I think mm -hmm. Keith Hernandez should be in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. I didn't realize how good Matt Morris was. He would be my next vote. And then after that, I didn't realize how good Edgar Renteria was. His 2003 season was incredible. He had 330. Um, in six seasons here, he almost had, I think, 152 stolen bases. He won two silver sluggers. I mean, he, he or two gold gloves, three silver sluggers. He was an awesome player here in a short amount of time. And I, I do believe, and it's cliche to say it, that because Lee Smith and Steve Carlton are in baseball's Hall of Fame, so they should be in anyway. Um, all those guys should get in, and I think eventually they will. You get backloaded uh, with it when Yachty and Wayno, and I think Holiday will get in. I do think David Freeze will get in. Um, but it makes it kind of fun. I, I, mm -hmm. it just, I start looking at their careers a little differently and, and the perspective of how good they were, man, were they good players? Wow. 
And, yeah, and to think about how many other organizations wish they had one or two yeah. of those guys, and you have a ballot full of guys that, and with the Cardinals that deserve to get in. Matty Moe was 101-62, and 62, I think was his record, and he's like in the top uh, maybe 12 in strikeouts, something like wow. that. He was a 22-game winner. And basically had, missed two seasons. Yeah. He pitched 30 innings the year after the Tommy John, so missed 99 and then came mm-hmm. back in 2000 and pitched out of the bullpen and only threw 30 innings. He he later told me that um, he was really hurt. I didn't understand how hurt he was in the 2004 World Series. Yeah, he so told he, us that. Yeah, he made that start on short days rest and then went right to surgery. And um and so I was watching some of that game, and they were questioning on the broadcast. I was watching it last night, and I had forgotten this, but they were really questioning why he was going on short days rest. And I had forgotten that he had done that. And I, I was watching him pitch, and you could just see he didn't have it at Fenway Park. They were they were out of gas. That team was kind of out of gas once they got there to Fenway Park. And remember, Chris Carpenter got hurt, Yep, and that changed everything for that team. Sure he had did. The, the nerve injury. Uh, we have our ultimate Irishman on the St. Louis sports scene ever. It's Jack Buck winning with 58, 58.7% of the vote. He knocks off Ryan O'Reilly. Very strong performance by ROR and well-deserved being the runner-up to Jack Buck. Where was Kobayashi? Uh, he's not a St. Louis guy. It's the St. Louis ultimate St. Louis Irishman oh, bracket. Okay, I wasn't sure where Kobayashi. Yeah, Kobayashi uh, would be in there if we had a national tournament. Okay, yeah, uh, just definitely one of the all-time greats. Yeah, but would he beat Joey Chestnut in that? I'm not sure he would. I don't know. That's a good question. So Jack Buck was a omnipresent part of my childhood, but I never met him. As two guys that met him, worked with him, spent a lot of time with him, was he as great as everyone yes. says he was? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, he he was the he was the person that I strive to be. I I don't know if I go. I'm not that funny. I'll never be that funny. I don't know if I go that far. I mean, I just idolized the way that he did the games. The way I watched him when I finally got the chance to be around the ballpark, I would watch what he did um, at the old ballpark. If if you can try to visualize this, and you know this, Randy, and I don't know if you were there. The press box, you could peek into the radio booth. Remember, it had yep. that glass. So you you were on the left side, and all that was there. Uh, all the media was there on the left, and you could peek in on the right. So I would always kind of look in. And then when I was working at KMOX, they would allow me into the booth. And a lot of times, they would send me out on little things to go do for him, which was great. And then I got to work with Jack doing a Sunday night show. I produced for him and then was on the air with him and then did games with him. And um, doing a game with him was just the thrill of a lifetime, you know, it was just a thrill of a lifetime. And he treated you as an equal and he didn't have to do that. And I say the same thing about Mike Shannon. Mike Shannon was um, phenomenal to me when I first started. And so when I first started, I I was walking into what was, I thought really a gauntlet for a kid that was what, 22, 23 years old and nervous as hell and didn't really deserve to be there. Um, But they thrust this on me and TV was changing and here I was getting this chance and I didn't know anybody in the business. I didn't know a soul in business. I I worked at KMOX. I knew Randy and Mike Kelly and some others in right place, right time. And Mike Shannon treated me like gold. He And so did Jack and Joe. And it was a gauntlet. You know, you walk in there and you're in awe of those guys. And you just, you just try to fit in. And Mike would take me to the dinners. He would take me to golf. He would sit there and, come on, big boy, let's go do this. <laughs> uh, he was great to me. And I'll people ask me, what do you think about Mike Shannon with that stuff? And I said, that's my lasting memory really with him and it's still today he's still doing games today is that how well he treated me when i first started and those guys did not have to do that no great 
Great people. Yeah. Dan, we will be with you tomorrow morning for the show. It's a Thursday yeah. morning. Yep. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to that. What do we have coming up? Um, I think this is going to be kind of interesting. In the first segment, I'm going to have five players, not necessarily Cardinals, that you're interested in watching as a baseball fan this year. Oh, good one. I, I, like I was, I've was. i been doing some thinking about, like, who interests you as a fan? Whether you're a young fan, you're an older fan, you're a Cardinal. It could be a personal thing, attachment that you, like, to me, Alex Reyes is in my top five. I can't wait to watch mm-hmm. this guy pitch a full season. I'm really interested in Shohei Otani. He's mm-hmm. tearing it up in spring training. Now, is that a byproduct of being out in the thin air of Arizona? He had another one over their backdrop yesterday. Yeah. He's 488 Unreal. feet. Wow. Now, I think on a St. Louis level, I don't know if you really want to hear this, I'm interested to see is Randy Rosarena a flash in the pan. Yep. He's the first person I thought of. Yeah. The first yeah. person on my list. I want to see that. So some of those guys, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up some names. By the way, Albert hitting 400 for the yeah. Angels in spring training. Maybe he's motivated again. Oh. Well, he's always well, motivated. Maybe he's healthy. So that, we'll, that could be it, too. We'll be tuned in. All right. Thanks, guys. Great job by our producer, engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. It was. See you guys tomorrow. Congratulations to Jack Buck again. The ultimate Irishman. It's got to be really meaningful for Jack. I, I, mean, I would think so. You know, he's got the Radio solid. Hall of Fame, baseball. Yeah. Net. Yeah, March, I won this. March 17th, 2021. <laughs> for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from Lecvio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack. And with Lecvio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lecvio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at Lecvio.com. Or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower, longer, Lecvio. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.